hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. And here we go. Line ball to start this game. Jeremy Loblotsky and John Morassi teeing off on one another. The Toporowski is just pounding away at Robinson. These, we said Toporowski, this is the guy who set a Western Hockey League record for 505 penalty minutes. Well, it's called like it is. Toporowski's a boon. Getting closer. He reaches in a right right back. He's not that Griffin. He's just fought. Stu Griffin. Oh, my goodness. Scott Parker for the KO of Stu Griffin. He- this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. Bush tells the linesman, get the heck out of my kitchen. All right, Dexter. He absolutely decked Jim Crate with a wild right. Bashir staggered by a big left hand. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode number 39 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host. And this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. I apologize again, getting delayed out here uh, with the whole podcast release. You know, it was supposed to be getting this out, I think, Tuesday or Thursday, whatever I said. I like to get these out on Thursdays now. I think that's the new day I'm changing it to. Although, of course, you know, with how delayed I've been, uh, it could be fucking any day at this point, right? Um, but <laughs> no, nonetheless, um, you know, today's guest is Jack Gregg, and I had a lot of fun talking to Jack. and. Uh, he's running his own hockey camp and program now out there in New York, and he told some great, great stories about the old colonial days, and uh, you'll be able to hear about him fighting fans, trying to get called up, and that's coming up here shortly. Um, you know, again, I apologize for this being late, so I you know, wanted to take a little bit of a break after releasing the uh, the Tidball episode. I was like, all right, let me take like a week break because that was just super frustrating because I'd you know, have to come in, and I'd spent a lot of time sitting at this fucking screen watching it and uh, having to listen back to a lot of audio. So I was kind of podcast out at that point doing it so much it was just because it was frustrating to try to piece everything together. But luckily it did, and I got the feedback for Tidball um, has been great, and he told some great stories and uh, didn't hold back uh, as far as, you know, talking about opponents. <laughs> we'll put it that way. So it was really good, and I had a lot of fun talking to Curtis. Um, and like I said, that episode did very well. So uh, if you're just tuning in for the first time, I encourage you to go back and check out all the previous episodes. Uh, I've got, you know, bunch of different flavors of the month, I guess you could say, whether you want minor league or NHL. We got, uh, you know, Rob Ray, Andre Waugh, Chris Nyland, um, Paxton Schulte, John Craighead, as far as NHL goes. And then if you want to go to the minor leagues, you got Jeremy Oblonsky. Well, technically he played one game with St. Louis, so he's also in the NHL realm. Um, but no, Jeremy Yablonski, Peter Zerba, Ken Tasker, um, Mike DeGurse, Dan Tice, Frank Bialois, the list goes on. I have a bunch. So go back and check those out. You know, it's uh, guys from a bunch of different leagues, whether it's Western Pro, LNH, CHL, East Coast, um, even the old Federal League. So it's uh, plenty to go off of there. And like I said, I kind of took a break for a little bit. And then I actually wanted to get this out, I believe, uh, last week. Yeah, last Thursday. And, um, you know, with the trials and tribulations of the, the podcast, I think I mentioned it in the last episode with uh, in the intro there. So as I sit down to go do the uh, Tidball 
uh, intro and everything because I finally got everything set up. My headphones broke. Well, luckily, my fiance happened to have a pair of uh, what those, those Dre Beats um, headphones, and so I was able to use them. Well, I sat down last Thursday to try and, um, you know, do the podcast intro and get this episode out. Well, we're in the process of moving. We're moving apartments. Uh, we're moving. We're downsizing a little bit, but it's going to be a lot cheaper. So uh, hopefully, you know, this will be our last apartment and then we're going to be getting into a house here pretty soon. But I sat down and all ready to record and lo and behold, she packed the damn headphones away. <laughs> so I had to wait till I got a new pair of headphones, which I went out and got a pair today finally. Um, so yeah, I took a break for a little bit and then of course going to sit down and do it. I I wasn't going to have her unpack it just for, you know, a pair of headphones. I needed to get a new pair anyway since my other ones were broken. So I just said wait a bit, wait a little bit for it and I'll get them. Uh you know, don't worry about that cuz I, I hate I already hate packing enough. Don't need to open boxes and uh start playing, you know, musical fucking boxes trying to find a pair of headphones so my dumbass can talk into a microphone for a little bit, right? Um <laughs> but no, so, you know, hopefully the audio levels on this are good. Um, again, if you don't know what happened, I basically had my file crash for the tidball interview. And then on top of that, I had all of my programs crash. So I had to re-download all of them and then rearrange the entire tidball episode. And it's been a hot mess. We'll fucking put it that way. So, you know, hopefully this is loud enough in the intro. It should be, um, from what I can tell. And it like, it hasn't been back to normal since, uh, originally, but I've had to turn the levels way up in order to get everything kind of where they are. And even when we first started recording, when I first um, when I first started recording with Jack, you know, I went to go do the usual, uh, you know, where I kind of, oh, so and so, you know, has X amount of penalty minutes, played with this team, played alongside these guys, fought this guy, uh, none other than so and so, you know, kind of doing the little intro leading up to announcing who it is for the interview. Well, um, <laughs> I tried it and fucked the audio, about blew out the damn program. It was like super loud for some reason, so. Like it's it's weird how it works. The audio level is like different for me, just me recording solo, and then Skype. So if that makes sense, you know, I, I'm sure if you're a podcaster, I've had like dealt with, uh, you know, like a sound program. I, you might understand that it kind of. I I don't know the exact technical terms as I'm not you know tech savvy per se, but basically I think it runs off of two different kind of audio. Not programs, that's not the right word. Wavelengths, maybe. I don't know. Either way, the audio is different. So that's what fucked me up. <laughs> um, so I was like, went to go do it, and I was like, holy shit. And I was like, all right, sorry. I was like, sorry, let me redo that for you real quick, Jack. <laughs> um, but no, it was all good and um told a lot. Like I said, Jack told a lot of great stories, and I apologize if for the first 10 minutes of the podcast you'll hear, you know, a lot of clicking going on, and that would be because my uh it was my first recording since everything crashed, so I was constantly adjusting audio levels and trying to figure everything out again. Because it used to be just, you know, I had two little things, uh, two, um, I, I don't know what to call it, um, I guess little mixers or whatever, where you just push it up if you want the volume to increase and then push it down if you want it to decrease. Uh, somehow, someway, everything's kind of messed up. Well, I, I know how it works now, but it's different than before. So I think maybe, maybe the program might have updated or something like that. I have no fucking clue at this point, but... Either way, the first 10 minutes, you might hear a lot of clicking, so I apologize. That's on me, um, and I thank you to Jack for sticking it out and uh, you know maybe dealing with that in the background for me, but either way, we made it happen, so here it is now, um, and real quick, you know, I'd, I'd post on Twitter. I'm going to get into it a little bit here. You know, it's, it wouldn't be, I guess, a uh, podcast without a little bit of 
griping and bitching. So uh, here's my platform to do so. And many of you know I collect, you know, hockey jerseys, uh, game worns. Um, I used to actually collect a lot of, you know, replicas and uh, like I don't know, I guess authentic pro weight jerseys or whatever that weren't game worn, but they were the I don't know, like like what you'd get at the store, like the Adidas ones or uh, the old Reebok, CCM stuff like that, right? Um, so you know, I, I've been in the hobby of collecting game worns for about mm, three years now, probably something along those lines. Let me real quick, let me get a sip of water here. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry if it sounded funny. It's like my. Funny enough, I'm using like my hockey water bottle that I use for beer, like those little Gatorade bottles. The fiance stole it from me, so now it's become like the community cup whenever we just want water. So <laughs> it's what we have now. Um, but no, so you know, I've been in the hobby a little bit and um, collected many game worn jerseys throughout the years. You know, uh, I've got John Morasti, Steve Bosse, Dean Mayorand, uh, Frank Bialois. Andre Wall, guys like that. So plenty of jerseys to go around. Um, and I've kind of, or excuse me, I've kind of been doing uh, <clears throat> doing the collection down a little bit. Uh, I'm not, I'm you know stepping away from the hobby for a little bit just to you know kind of focus on other things. Like I said, we're trying to get into a house and everything. So I figured I'd sell a couple of them. You know, there's acceptable tactical losses as we like to say. Um, so yeah, I've been kind of you know putting stuff out there, trying to sell it and shit like that, and. You know, you put it all, put it out there in all the groups. There's, you know, the Enforcer Game Worn group, and there's the Game Worn Hockey Jersey group or whatever, and stuff like that. And, of course, there's the Enforcer Appreciation page, so I'll post stuff there as well. So I have a missing link, uh, North Stars jersey. It's just a replica. It's not Game Worn or anything like that. So I go there, and I post it. And, you know, normally I don't like to talk prices, but, you know, it's get a kind of a better understanding. So I put $300 for it. Now, some people out there who know jerseys, the I, and of course, some people do. They'll say, eh, maybe a little bit steep, but I can see $300 due to the fact that, you know, it's like a dead stock jersey. They're not made anymore. Uh, the size is a 2X, which is kind of rare to find. Typically, you always find large, XL, and medium. So it's a 2X, so it's rare enough with the size. And again, they're not produced anymore unless you get the Chinese fakes. And on top of that, it's got link gates on the background, or on the back, excuse me, not the background. Um, but so it's got the 36 and gates on it, right? So that's rare enough because I can pretty much count on one hand how many Link Gates jerseys, even just replicas I've seen. How like or I can I can count on one hand how many I've seen on like eBay and stuff that come up because I'll search periodically here and there. Well, of course, people just can't shut their fucking mouth. You know, it's nothing's wrong with the jersey. It's absolutely in mint condition. I got it brand new with tags, got the tags off and whatever. Um, mint condition, and people just can't. Oh man, that's way overpriced. Oh, it's like two hundred dollars overpriced. I said, okay, well, you know, show me where the fuck you found a Link Gates jersey then. You know, for a hundred dollars. One, it's not going to happen. I just know it. There's already like a size. I think it's a forty-eight, which is super small for an authentic jersey uh, that's up on eBay right now. It's a Sharks one for four hundred, and this is just a replica North Stars, which you don't see the North Stars. So I kindly, I, I try to be nice and explain that to him. Oh well, I got this basketball guy's jersey, blah blah blah, for a hundred fifty dollars, and it's signed. So I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, well you're comparing apples and fucking oranges. Oh, and he went on. I forget what the hell he, the player's name even was. Oh, and it's this guy who's a much pro, more prominent figure than Link Gates. Hate to say it. Okay, well, I, I don't know who it is. I don't watch basketball. We're not talking about basketball jerseys, so if you paid 150 for it, sign, you know, good on you, bud. Not saying that's a bad thing, but if the price bothers you so much, then 
why even take the time to comment? Just keep fucking scrolling. I cannot, I, I, for the life of me, do not fucking understand people like that. You know, you know, I, I get it if it's like a total, total ripoff, but it's not like I was saying, oh, give me $800 for the link jersey. Like, fuck you, buddy. You're going to sit there and take the time. And then, you know, people come in and comment like, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, oh, well, that better be a gamer for 300. Well, that's how you that's how you know he's just talking out of his fucking ass the entire time. If you're going to sit there wanting to get a link gamer, have fun with that, especially a North Stars one, which I have a link gamer. It's not a North Stars. It's the Granby Predators from when he played in the QSPHL or the LNH, whichever one you prefer to call it. But it was technically from the QSPHL. There's the nerdiness in me. Got to get all technical, of course. Um but which I have a link gamer. I know how much they cost. And that's just the QSPHL. And if it was an actual North Stars one, fuck, that'd probably go for two grand. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it went for two grand. It'd probably end up going somewhere around f- anywhere between 1500 and uh, two grand, probably. Sorry if you hear the thunder in the background. Lovely Florida afternoon showers, of course, the usual. Um, but probably between 1500 and two grand is where I'd probably put a Link Gates North Stars jersey, right? <clears throat> I mean, his Kalamazoo one, or the K-Wings when he was with them, just went for, I think, 1200 maybe, something like that. Um, so that just happened recently. That was on eBay. And But, yeah, oh, it better be game-worn for 300 Well, clearly you don't know what the fuck you're talking about and you don't know Jersey. So shut up and quit trying to, you know, talk down on the price that I was asking. And Which, by the way, I never said I wouldn't negotiate the price either. You know, if I was, I'm more than willing to negotiate. I'm not firm. Oh, 300 you know, take it or leave it. I could be. But I know I'm willing to negotiate. You know, I know what it's worth. And again, all those factors that play into it. But people just can't keep their fucking mouth shut. Like people just want to bitch to bitch. And I don't understand it. And, you know, I'm probably contradicting myself here because I'm sitting here bitching into a microphone to you. The all fucking four people that listen to this podcast, of course. Um, but I just it's it's just so fucking irritating. And I've seen people even do it because I want to say it was actually Tim Hunter who posted in the Enforcer Game Warren group. Um, that it was because there's an actual group on Facebook for people who don't might not know what I'm talking about. Um, it's called like Game Used Enforcer or Enforcer Game Used uh, Jerseys and Equipment, I think is what it's called. Um, basically, that's where a lot of the the collectors go, right? So, uh, I think it was actually Tim Hunter who posted his jerseys in there at one point, and you know was asking a decent amount for them, rightfully so, and they were actually playoff used jerseys at that too. So, you'd still have people in there saying, "Oh, that's too steep," like really dude it's tim hunter posting it and uh, you know these haven't been out anywhere else so they're his jerseys like you know you can ask whatever the fuck he wants for him dude and I, I just i never understood that about people it's like people just because it might be out of their price range they got a bitch about it and then even somebody else commented "Ooh, that's a little rich for me and if you know to those who actually commented if you're listening to the podcast and we're like you know you're talking out of your ass and this jersey, he's some people were like, I'd even ask for 350 for it. So, you know, they, I, I'm glad some people actually understand it and, you know, kind of know what the fuck they're talking about and, you know, realize a good jersey when they see it. And again, I'm, you know, do I need to sell it? And again, it's 300, the end all be all? No, but there's no need to go comment on someone's post, whatever it's worth to them. That's how much, that's the actual price tag on things. People say there's a price on things. The, the only price for things is how much willing, or excuse me, how much people are willing to pay for it. That's the actual price of things. So if somebody's willing to pay $600 for that link gauge jersey, guess what? It's $600. All right. I, I don't understand the fucking people who sit there and have to comment. Oh, that's too high. Or that price is outrageous. Yeah, go fuck yourself, dude. And then when I explain all the facts to you, Oh, oh well, yeah, it is a nice jersey. 
Oh, what really? Because you were just fucking shitting on it, you know, three comments ago before I corrected you, and four others came and told you what a fucking putz you were. So, shit like that just irritates me. And then another thing, I'm so I'm selling. I'm actually selling my Chris Nyland game used jersey. And I know people out there listening who know me. Alec, what are you doing? Chris Nyland is your favorite player. Well, I understand that, and yes, he absolutely is. And Chris has became a good friend of mine, and he was, uh, you know, nice enough to even let me go on to TSN Radio with him, which you can go back and listen to the episode, by the way. And I even have an episode with Chris Nyland. Um, <laughs> but you know, he was nice enough to do that for me. So I, I, I've, you know became friends with Chris over the years. You know, I've been talking and uh, chatting with him since I was uh, probably around seven, I think 18 years old, 17 or 18. It was either just before I turned 18 or right at 18. Either way, it doesn't matter. So uh, I've been talking to him for a few years now. And, you know, like I said, I've, you know, kind of formed a relationship with him and I'd consider us friends. So I understand people might be like, why are you selling the Chris Island gamer? That's your favorite player. I understand that. But at the same time, the way I see it is this hobby. It's while there are assholes and believe me, there are assholes like I just explained. And we will get into another guy right after this. Of course, this is me bitched about the fucking hobby. Um, So the uh, you know, I'm selling the jersey and. Again, it's a very, excuse me, rewarding hobby, and I was very happy to add that to the collection. Again, my favorite player of all time, that was one I sought out to get when I first started collecting jerseys. Well, um, <clears throat> you know, the the more I have it and I look at it, you know, it's I love the jersey, awesome jersey. It was used in 1986, and it's got plenty of wear on it, and it was phenomenal. And so, you know, I'm looking at it, and, you know, I'm like, I appreciate it, but it's not that I don't appreciate it as much. It's just I think somebody else can appreciate it more than I do. And I I don't say that in a bad way. I say it as the fact that I'm fortunate enough to have kind of befriended Chris Nyland. And, you know, like I said, I consider him a friend. And that's that that means more to me than any any sort of, you know, equipment or jersey, whatever you want to call it. Um could ever mean to me so you know I'd, i i think some people should just i, I would rather someone else enjoy it because you know they don't have that connection with chris or maybe they don't have that bond with another player or something something like that you know so that's kind of in, in a way that's a way to appreciate the player that's what these jerseys are for they remind me of like a fucking time machine you look at these jerseys and you know you look at some of these lnh ones or the colonial leagues and you just kind of you almost you could almost like picture the player wearing it again and what it was like in that moment. So that's what these are. They're kind of like a vessel, I guess to say, you could say. Um, so that's just how I look at it. So I you know I cherish all these jerseys and these game wars that I have. And there's some that yes I probably bought you know and they didn't mean to me or mean as much to me as some other jerseys. So I've kind of sold them to hopefully get some people other people to appreciate them uh, more than I do. And that's the whole purpose of it. And so that's why I'm selling the Chris Island jersey. Um, is so people can kind of appreciate it and someone out there can appreciate it and hang it up and everything like that. Cause it'll be, even if, you know, I kept it in the closet there, it'd be a while before we hung it up. Cause I'm not hanging it up anywhere. Um, until we get a house. Cause I, I that one's going to go into a, or it would have gone into a shadow box had I kept it. Um, well, it's still sitting in there. So as of right now, <laughs> we'll see, but, um, no, so that's the whole reason, uh, you know, I wanted to sell it. Cause like I said, I think it should go to someone who wants to appreciate it and everything like that. So, but one thing that's so irritating with it, you know, it's a very sought after jersey. Totally understand that. Get it. I'm going to have a lot of messages. I like to kind of do the line order. So whoever messages me first, I try to make a deal with them first. And if nothing goes through, uh, next person. I just can't stand when people will message me. They ask like two questions or like one question. Oh, okay. I'm going to pass on it. Oh, 
well, why waste? Like I, because then I have to kindly explain to other people, and you know, it's more so just, I guess, irritating to me. Not really like a bad thing, but it's more so just irritating because I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, dude! Like you know, I just told fourteen other people. Not there wasn't really fourteen. I probably got messages from at least ten people actually. So, um, you know, oh well, hold on, you're you're. It's as bad as it sounds, it's like taking a fucking number at the DMV. Well, you're this in line. I'll get back to you if somebody else passes. And so it was just like one after another. You know, how is it? What's this? And I, you know, certificate of authenticity, a letter from former from Nyland's former teammate, uh, Steve Rooney, all to go with it, validating the jersey that it's legit. Um, so, oh, I'll pass. I'll pass. I'll pass. Okay. Well, like, fuck. It's, it gets annoying after the little bit. So, shit like that. It's like, you know, come on. Only message if you're serious. And, you know, I get it. You, you might just be curious and everything like that. But it's just, ah, oh, fuck. It's frustrating. Because then, I, like I said, I feel I feel bad for telling these, you know, other people that I guess are in line hypothetically. Oh, hold on. Wait. When I could have made a deal with them. And actually, I think I ended up making a deal with somebody today. Excuse me. Somebody today. So, we'll see if it actually goes through. Um and, you know, I know it's going to a good place, and uh, he wants to get it signed by Chris. He lives up in Montreal, so hopefully uh, I can get it to him. And, you know, everything works out. I think we'll we'll be able to work something out there. Um, and the last thing I will say about game-worn jerseys that irritates me. Sorry, you know, I normally always keep these at 10 minutes, but got a lot bottled up. This has been fucking pissing me off all day because <laughs> literally all this shit has happened within just today. Um, another thing. I never understand when a player asks for their jersey and somebody doesn't want to give it to them. I'm not saying you have to give it to them for free, but, like, sell it to them. So I'm not going to say the player. Well, okay, so I'll say I'll, I'll say two things on this because I have had it happen to me as well. I'm not going to say who the player was. I went out on a limb, bought a jersey for them. It was their jersey. I actually bought two, sent one to them, and they were supposed to pay me for it, and it took me about – maybe six months to get the money from him, which I was getting really irritated at that time because it was right when my fiance or right, right before the coronavirus hit and my fiance had lost her job. Uh, right, right. as that everything went down in the beginning or was well, she got half pay and then, and they ended up cutting her cause they couldn't, couldn't sustain the business anymore. Um, so I was, I was pretty irritated at that point because we have a savings. And I said, I could have put that money towards the savings and I'm not going to lie to kind of motherfuck the player. You know, it's just, it is what it is. I respect everybody, but when we're dealing with money and I go out of my way to do something nice like that, I can only be nice for so long. And I check in periodically for a couple months, you know, um, Hey, you know, hope, hope everything's well. You got my money. Oh yeah. yeah, I've just been kind of busy. Okay. Well, you know, it takes like, you know, four minutes and the, and the time we've taken to have this conversation, you could have paid me the cash. So, um, little irritating, and I know, unfortunately, there are some players out there, and I know another one who's done that to, uh, you know, John Searson over in the UK, and John, I know exactly, or you know exactly who I'm talking about to you, and I've actually warned somebody else about that. I forget who it was, um, but I warned somebody else about that very player, and so some players, they they will fuck you. Um, Should have said, give me the money first, and then I'll fucking send it to you, but that was me just trying to be nice. Um, But anyways... When a player, I can actually tell when a player is being, you know, genuine and stuff because I've had a couple guys ask me because they, you know, they might have even been on the podcast and they'll say, hey, you know, do you know where any of my game warns are? I'd love to get some. So I'll do some digging. And I know exactly where this this player played on the team for two years. And it's a very rare team to, uh, you know, get jerseys from. I happen to have one of them from them or from that team, not the player's jersey that's uh, asking. So I know the guy who has the other jerseys. He's got about. 
I think four or five of them. Like four or five of them, not just one. It's not like it's just only one. Four or five of the, I, I think the grand total is four um, of that player, that particular player's jerseys. And so that player reached out to me asking, hey, do you know anybody who has this jersey? And I said, yeah, I know a guy. He's got like four of them. So he says, hey, can you reach out to him for me? He's like, I'd love to um, you know, have that jersey. I have a bunch of mine. I'd be willing to trade him. Um, and you know, we could do a one-for-one swap of that jersey. He's like, I just want one of them. So I said, okay, cool, no problem. So I messaged the guy explaining everything. Well, dude fucking just reads it and never replies. Like, seriously, dude? And I'd, I know what he wants. He wants fucking cash for those. I'm almost positive because, uh, you know, I've dealt with him before a little bit or had a couple back and forth with him, which and he rubs me the wrong way every time I talk to him. He's kind of a fucking tool, honestly. Um, and so he, uh, he basically wants a fucking mortgage payment for those jerseys, which they're not worth that. I know that. And again, I understand trying to make a couple dollars off a jersey. I've done it myself. I've made I, I really think selling game worn jerseys. I think I've maybe made a grand total of $200 maybe because I typically I'll sell them for what they were originally sold to me for. Or if I do make money, it's because I charge for like a little bit extra for shipping so I can get it there or put it in like a a nicer box. Typically that's it. So I've only made probably around $200 making jerseys or a package deal that I've done with someone where I say, okay, well I'll give you all three of these at one time for X amount of money, stuff like that. So I personally think you ruin the integrity of the hobby when you you sit there and you overcharge now I, again i understand yeah i'll make a hundred bucks or a couple hundred bucks off a of jersey yeah that's fine you know get it admit man's gotta eat barb right that's fucking you know bobandy says but um when you do that and i you've been known to do it and i even you know talk to jay and jay if you're listening which i know you are you know exactly who i'm talking about because i was fucking went off to you about him the other night uh dealing with this fucking ass and he's done the same thing multiple times, not just to players, but to fans. You know, he'll buy a jersey for, let's say, 200 bucks, and then he'll charge a fan, uh, or excuse me, he bought a jersey for, like, yeah, 200 bucks, and then he'll charge another, you know, collector. Oh, well, uh, I'll take 800 for it. Okay, well, really? Would, I, maybe 250 would have been great, maybe even 300 but you're going to sit there and fucking gouge him for, you know, four times the price? Like, come on, dude, seriously? It's just fucking greasy, man. It's you ruin the integrity of the hobby, or excuse me, the integrity of the hobby. It's I guess it's the unwritten rules or the the code, we'll say, <laughs> of the hobby. Fucking hate the word the code, um, but and so yeah, he he just read it and didn't reply to me the message, and I'm like, dude, come on, like the player, the literally the dude's jerseys you have is the jerseys that guy bled and fought in, just and you have four, you don't have just one, you have four of them, just fucking give him a couple or just give him a jersey. And he'll trade you. You were. It's not like you're you're losing that particular team's jersey, maybe, but at the same time you're gaining a new one because that player was going to send you one back. So, and the players reached out to me a couple times, and I was kind of hesitant to ask because I knew exactly where they were. And again, the guy that I've dealt with, I really don't like talking to him. Um, so I was kind of hesitant, but I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll. I was like, let me try and see what I can do for you. Sure as shit, like I said, doesn't reply, just reads it because he wants, because he wants, you know, like five grand, not really five grand, but um, a, a, at least a couple grand for one of them, which they're not worth that at all. So um, it's just it, it, people like that just ruin the fucking hobby. And again, sorry to keep everybody waiting here. I know we're 25 minutes in and people who are tuning in for the first time are probably just like, what in the actual fuck is going on? And what is this guy talking about? Who cares? Just let me listen to Jack Gregg. So um, I apologize. We'll get to that real quick. Let me just give my fucking shout outs out there. Um, 
you know, go to Fourth Line Voice. He's my, uh, you know, the my my friend of the podcast world. He's the original Enforcer podcast. Uh, you know, the hashtag Enforcer based podcast, and go check him out. He's got a YouTube channel. He's got his own podcast. Just had technical difficulties uh, releasing an episode this week, but the episode he released from the vault, I believe, was Riley Emerson this week. So you can go check him out. Uh, and like I said, go check out his YouTube. He's got over two thousand fight videos so you could fall down the rabbit hole pretty easily just go get yourself a little uh six pack or you know 24 pack or if you're in the midwest go get a 30 rack there you go do it right um and just fall down the rabbit hole of fourth line voice youtube channel there <clears throat> excuse me good night uh, a fourth line voices youtube channel there um and so you know go check that out give them a follow on twitter and it's at fourth line voice like usual um and then Joe over the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box, where he follows exclusively Islanders uh, enforcers. And if the guy was an Islander, oh, fucking thunder. Wonder if the mic picked that up. We'll see, I guess. Um, sometimes I worry that the fucking power is going to go out because it's done it before mid podcast, which is phenomenal. But, uh, anyways, <laughs> go check out Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. He follows exclusively Islanders enforcers and guys who played in the Islanders farm clubs. He's kind of taken a break, which I totally understand. Um, you know, from podcasting for, I think a couple weeks, but I know an episode will actually be out this coming Monday. So, you know, go catch yourself up on all of his episodes and stay tuned for the Monday episode from Joe. I'm excited to hear it. And, um, you know, see Joe get back in the saddle here as we all kind of, you know, go through our lulls a bit in the podcast because we all do this for fun. We're the little guys. Um, and the last little guy I'll mention is, you know, Bobby Longgrass over at the Bucket Drop. He's releasing his last episode for 2020. Um, and I guess season one, he's calling it, which I was ni- or nice enough. He was nice enough to let me go on his show, <laughs> not, not the other way around. Although, I pro- like I said, I, I commented after he tagged me in the post, you know, thanking um, all the players and people who have come onto the podcast. And I said, you know, I'd if your ratings weren't low enough, I definitely sunk them. So thanks for letting me come on. <laughs> um, but he's had myself, fourth line voice, and Joe on. And he's had a couple players I've had on before, like Dan Tice, Jason Renard. Um, I think he's had Scrooby St. Louis on too. So, uh, yeah, go check him out. But uh, those are like the little fish in the pond, as we described it. The mom and pop shops of the podcasting world. We're not former players like Cam and Strick or John Scott or Spitting Chicklets, like, you know, the big dogs. Um you know, listen to our podcast. I, I, I promise. Well, besides maybe my, you know, 30 minute rant I've had here in the very beginning. So I, again, I apologize. They're not always like this. Normally I keep it under 10 minutes, but had a lot to get off my chest this time. Um, but all our interviews are very in depth. You know, we, we, we might interview even kind of like the same ish players or the same kind of guys, but all of us have a different style interview. So you're going to get a little bit, something different from all of us. Um, and we all do this for our leisure. And like it's like a hobby, it's our pastime. It's not nobody's paying us to do this. Um, we do it for, you know, I guess the love of the game, you'll say, uh, but more so the love of the enforcer role and the tough guys and the, um, you know, the guys who are in the trenches and in the game of hockey who aren't appreciated enough. So that's the whole reason we do this. And uh, guys like Jack Gregg, who we're going to hear in just a second. <clears throat> so go check those out and please uh, rate and review the show. Uh, really helps the podcast grow and. Uh, you know, when the over if the more ratings and reviews the show has, it'll come up in hockey podcast when you type it in or whatever. It's more likely to pop up, I guess, uh, is the way the algorithm works. So, um, rate and review the show really means a lot. I appreciate it. Um, and if you want to follow the podcast on social media, just go check out at the number five and then four fighting pod on Twitter, and you'll find it. It's just it'll come up as five for five. You, you could probably find it just searching five for fighting podcast. Honestly, um, I changed that to the uh, kind of title name that appears, but the actual at or whatever the at username is um, the number five and then four fighting pod. And if you want to check out the Instagram 
for the podcast. Just sorry, or excuse me, type in five for fighting podcast, just spell it out regularly and it'll pop right up. And if you want to check it out on Facebook, just type in five for fighting podcast over on the page, give it a like, and you'll stay in tuned or um, yeah, you stay up to date on everything that's coming out and when it's coming out and everything like that. And last but not least, if you want you to get your fix of, you know, hockey fights and stuff, that maybe aren't on YouTube and or, well, they're probably on YouTube, but you know, kind of interaction, almost kind of like a message board style um, or a message board esque feel to it. Go check out the Enforcer Appreciation Group. It's a group I created back last year in May, and we're up to almost twelve thousand members now. Crazy to even think about. And basically, it's about appreciating enforcers. Shocker, right? Um, <laughs> so you know, a lot of former players in there: Mike Segroy, John Morasti, Dean Mayran, Steve Bosse. Kevin Kaminsky, Todd Screwy, St. Louis, Max Middendorf, Jeff Kugel, the list goes on. I can't, like, I mean, the amount of former players in there, Cam Jansen, another one that comes to mind, is astronomical. It's it's awesome. And so to see that they'll give their, uh, excuse me, they'll give their opinions on everything and kind of, uh, you know, give their two cents on, oh, how tough was this guy or what was it like in this fight or what would you do in this instance? So it kind of gives you an inside look um, about fighting, which is awesome. Um, so go check that out. Give the uh, go send a join request. Everybody's accepted. Just don't be a fucking donkey, and you won't be kicked out pretty hard. Uh, like my like old gunnery sergeant used to say back in the day. Safety briefs are typically super long for the Marine Corps. He would come up and he'd say one thing: "Don't be a fucking asshole," and he'd walk away, and that was it. <laughs> so, um, anyways, you know, well, I've already kept you long enough. We're at thirty-two minutes here. I do apologize. Had a lot to get off my chest, but. Um, you didn't hear to you didn't come here to listen to me rant and rave about me being a bitch in the game worn hockey collection um, trials and tribulations there. But uh, anyways, without further ado, we will pass it over to Jack Greg. Hope you enjoy everybody. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate and review. This should be good. This should be very good. Here tonight on the Five for Fighting podcast, we have a man who managed to fight some tough, tough customers to include star of the Tough Guys documentary, Kevin Holiday. He played multiple seasons in the Colonial League slash UHL, even dabbling into the Western Pro League. He runs his own hockey clinic now, and that is one Mr. Jack Gregg. Jack, how you doing tonight, man? Alec, uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. And uh, uh, again, appreciate all you've done for our country serving. Oh, I appreciate you saying that, man. And, uh, you know, thankfully I was never, never had to go overseas or anything like that. And I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to be here now with my family and everything like that. So, um, I appreciate that. No, you're welcome. And, um, I guess probably speak for a lot of the guys who did the role, uh, you know, thank you for doing this and and let's come on here and rehash and talk some good stories and, uh, bring back some, uh, some good, good memories, crazy memories, but some good memories. Absolutely. Well, you, I mean, going through your fight card that you had sent me before, because you know, of course, being hockeyfights.com is now kind of the the only one left. But I'm sure Drop Your Gloves probably had all your stuff at one point, or at least most of it. Uh, you got quite the fight card here, which we'll get to a little bit later. Um, but first, you know, I like to ask the guys before we get going into your career here. What are you up to now? And uh, you know, we got going, and you had kind of started your own hockey clinic or hockey camp. What is it? Uh, how long has that been going on? Uh, it's going wild, Alec. Uh, I, I, while I was even playing in my last couple of seasons, I was get you know, in the summers I was getting out on the ice and working at some hockey schools and kind of started feeling like, you know, this is something I wanted to do. I started having a passion to coach. Um, felt like I was, you know, connecting with the kids and, 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 you know, 
making them better and, and enjoying doing it. And uh, so uh, when I couldn't play anymore, I, uh, I wanted to coach. I ended up going to uh, the Long Island Royals, a AAA organization um, here in Long Island, New York, uh, Superior Ice Rink, owned by the McGuigan family. Kind of just went in and I uh, asked them about getting involved with coaching. And he uh, said, hey, we got some, some lessons and some clinics we're going to do with kids and get out there. And, and I, I, I got out there and I kind of took off from there uh then he's like hey you want to coach the travel team i saw i said absolutely i started coaching travel team and that's uh 18 years ago already i'm still there uh yeah still there with the royals um had some opportunities over the years to leave but i seem to uh still be there um and like i said it's been i still love to get out there work with the kids i love uh the games the competition of it on the weekends and and uh, I'm pretty lucky, pretty fortunate to be able to make a little living with it, but uh, to still be involved with the game. Uh, and, uh, no, it's, it's great. And I've been able to do some scouting, too, for the NHL. Uh, Al Rooney, a former t- uh, teammate of mine, coached in the league for several years, so I was able to do some scouting involved with their draft. So that, that, that was fun. But, uh, you know, it was, it's been great. Uh, you know, like I said, it started small. I started with the young, real young guys, and then uh, I was able to, you know, kind of grow grow the grow the teams uh to go on and win some state championships national championships uh been able to put a lot of kids into junior hockey uh prep school hockey several kids division one hockey division three hockey um i've had uh you know robert master simone drafted by the detroit red wings sonny milano was playing for anaheim he was drafted by columbus blue jackets rob garrett drafted by the bruins played for the rangers and then you know jimmy mazza played canisius he's uh He's in the ECHL and Frankie Char ECHL, and it, you know there's so many more. Um, and I got a lot of guys coming up right now. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And I've you know I've been fortunate to work with the kids that you know I was able to get these kids to make travel teams, to make a college team, and now they're you know they're firemen, they're cops, they're lawyers, and it's great to uh, see how a lot of the kids doing well. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's funny because it's hockey so big down here now in Florida, so it's kind of crazy to see yeah, how how much these kids. I mean, we go in and I play my terrible beer league, as of course you saw the video the other night. Um, yeah, big goal by the way. Congrats. Oh, oh yeah. What can I say? Yeah, yeah just I think that's maybe my second of the year for you know the last <laughs> uh, I think twelve games we've had. So yeah, it's been great, doing great. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, man, yeah, it's, so it's crazy to see these kids because we go in there and that's, um, of course, the adult leagues are a little bit later in the day, um, you know, given that kids are right after school and everything. But you see these kids playing now and, I mean, they're just wheeling and dealing out there, yeah. the crossovers, yeah, turns, their edge work. It's insane. So, I mean, what you're doing, I mean, you're, you're giving these kids like the building blocks and the tools they need to hopefully succeed and, you know, maybe one day make it to the NHL. Uh, that's that's exactly right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think in obviously with the NHL, um, having the expansion teams in the South and how big I think minor pro hockey got uh, in the 90s, 80s and 90s and 2000s where guys are staying down there and living down there, you know, in these, in these you know, Florida to Texas, uh, Louisiana or wherever and, you know, Georgia and they're, you know, they're, they're, their kids are coming up and they're coaching. So the South has gotten nasty. They've been a hell of a lot of good hockey players coming out of there. Um, obviously, you know, Austin Matthews out in Arizona, uh, number one overall. So yeah, no, youth hockey is, you know, USA has done a, done a real good job. You know, we 
said, you know, getting in those cities and those markets where, you know, it wasn't big several years ago. And, uh, you know, now you got kids that were, you know, maybe going to play baseball, football. Now they're playing hockey. And, and uh, you know, it's great. You can see the, re- you know, the results of what, you know, USA hockey's done in, in those expansion teams and the minor pro guys that are down there. Oh, for sure, you know, especially that stuff. that late yeah. '90s boom of minor pro hockey in the South yeah. was kind of, I think, really yeah. kind of kickstarted everything. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, for sure, yeah, for sure. I one of my first year coaching travel, uh, I took uh, <clears throat> the Florida Junior Panthers had a uh, real good 90, 1995 team. Uh, that was the birth year team. They were that great team. Uh, Martin it was like their head coach, um, and they had they were they asked us to come down to the tournament. So I'm like, you know what? Florida February tournament let's go you know the parents were like what are you doing you know that's not you know we got to be in Boston or you know wherever I'm like oh let's let's just go and we got down there and I tell you it was unbelievable the parents were like this was the best idea we ever did with palm trees it's great we're playing hockey and you know uh, the, their grandparents could come and you know you know we're you know being from New York a lot of people moved to Florida so they had friends they hadn't seen we were able to come and watch and and uh you know, it was a good experience for sure. But, you know, they, like you said, the Florida hockey is unbelievable. Uh, you know, they're sending a, t- a lot of players, uh, you know, up north here and, and junior, and you're like, wow. You know, uh, you went to first year, just coach at 2000 level. Uh, the best team in the country was from Florida, called the Florida Alliance. So, um, you know, they are uh, they're doing a good job down there. Oh, for sure. Um, well, you know, speaking about kind of growth of hockey throughout the U.S., you were actually born in New York, correct? Yes, yeah, Long Island, New York. So how did you get into hockey? Were you you were born in '73? So I'm assuming, uh, you know, being in Long Island, that you grew up an Islanders fan. No, actually, uh, no, Alec. I actually was a we were big big Ranger fans. We were big, oh uh, no, Rangers. well I know Joe yeah. listening is going to yeah. be pissed about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, well, uh, big we were big Ranger fans. Um, my uh, I, my first. You know, I can remember watching the uh, getting the hockey. I think it was '79, the Rangers playoff run. He got a big brawl with the Kings that year. They ended up going losing to the Canadians that year in the uh, Stanley Cup. And I, I was my first taste of watching. I can remember really getting into the Ranger hockey. Um, at the same time, uh, living on Long Island, uh, Clark Gillies, one of the all-time, you know, you know, tough guys and Hall of Fame left winger for the Islanders. Uh, he moved in my neighborhood. He actually lived across the street from us. So. Um, you know, so pretend we're following the Rangers in the Stanley Cup, but we had Clark moving in the neighborhood, uh, probably, you know, watching him play in the, uh, even before that, well, you had the 80 Olympics, you know, obviously with USA winning. Um, and then with Clark, uh, you know, his fights with Terry O'Reilly and Al Court and um, those battles, I remember those well. You know, he had been just living there shortly, so we were following that. And, uh, you know, maybe that's where I got my first, you know, taste of, 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 uh, of uh, tough hockey, but, um, no, that was pretty cool having Clark Clark live there. So it was uh, definitely uh, pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Not everybody can say they had you know Clark Gillies living across the street from him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So when did you kind of start playing hockey then? You know, because I know typically a lot of my guests are from Canada, and as soon as they're able to you know walk, they're they're on skates right. already. Yeah, but yeah. in America, it's a little bit different. So yeah. when did you kind of start playing? Like I said, I I think with the uh, started watching the hockey with Clark moving in the neighborhood, I, I I was like I got I got to try this, you know. So, you know, I went you know I went down to skate, just kept kept going back, going back, and uh, uh, you know taking the lessons, uh, you know getting any ice time I can get, uh, you know join some hockey clinics, and I wanted to try. A big thing was travel hockey, you know, like you know 
it's like, you know, you got to keep, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. You got to, you know, keep working, working your skills, working on stuff. And, uh, and, and a time will come. Uh, unfortunately, kind of like, you know, it was a little bit later start. I started later and then, you know, by the time I started playing travel hockey, I was 12. But anyway, I, I finally a travel coach came to my dad at the clinic one summer. He's like, hey, we want your son to come, come play for us this year uh, with PAL, Police Athletic League here, local uh, you know, hockey organization. And uh, I went, you know, went to tryouts, made the team. Uh, I moved up through Pee Wee and Bantam, uh, you know, then uh, Midget and then into junior with, with uh, well, I was PA all through, through my youth there. And then uh, the Long Island Royals is where I, uh, I played, uh, I started my junior career on Long Island. Well, there you go. And so you actually ended up in the BCJHL. How did that happen? Uh, yeah, so I, I played two years for Long Island Royals. Uh, I wanted to take the next step in, in, in hockey. So I ended up going to play junior hockey in Minnesota. Unbelievable experience. Uh, played for Steve Jensen, uh, 1976 Olympian. Uh, played for the LA Kings. Uh, we were. It was unbelievable experience uh, playing for for Steve. Uh, we were on the ice like twice a day. Like you know, it helped really helped my game come along. And and uh, from there, I went on to play in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, junior A there. And at that time, I was pretty much, you know, I fought a couple times, but, you know, I, I, I would put the puck in it. I, you know, I could play the, kind of a power forward game, uh, physical game. Uh, but, I, you know, I was an American kid, like, from New York, and, you know, we were thinking college college was the only option for us. There was no, you know, uh, OHL or, you know, at the time that, you know, was coming looking at us down in Long Island or wherever. So um, I was actually talking about that with Pat Barton recently that uh, – I said, man, I wish I played in the O. You know, some great stories on it. My style of game, I think, would have would have fit in up there. And maybe I, at the time, it wouldn't have been been ready. He was like, oh, Gregory, you would have been great. You would have you would have done great there. But um, no, so I, you know, I I came to a point in my career where I was, you know, kind of at 20 years old. I was looking for a place to play, uh, just to get one more crack at college. I had some schools interested in me, Division One, Division Three level, and I ended up finding the Nimo, and I ended up going out there. Um, it, it, you know. Got a couple of injuries out there, I had a concussion, I had to get knee surgery. So it wasn't, uh, it didn't really work out great for me there. So um, that's when I had to make a decision to, I said, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go pro route, minor pro route, start. Well, there you go. <laughs> just like yeah. that, easy enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah just, just like that. So, so you, well, you know, you went minor pro. And you played in the BCJHL, yeah. but you actually end up yeah. in the Southern Hockey League of all places yeah. with Huntsville. How did yeah. that happen, man? Well, uh, I'll actually go back to uh, when I made my decision to go to go go pro. Um, hired an agent, you know, I, talking to him. He was, you know, it was ninety four, ninety five, I believe, and uh, he said that was the year that was going to be the lockout. So, he, you know, we were looking at, like, an ECHL tryout, um, you know, get my feet wet in there. And he said that uh, – he said, you know, listen, he goes, uh, you know, it's going to be hard. He's got guys that would have been in the NHL are going to be in the AHL. A lot of guys that, you know, were going to be in the air are going to be in the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, it's going to trickle down. He goes, it's going to be tough for you in that league this year, you know. So, he's like, I got, I got you a tryout in, uh, in the Sunshine Hockey League in, in West, West Palm Beach. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, pro, I, I, I'm ready, I'll, I'll go. And 
So I end up going to West Palm Beach. I get ready. I go there. I go through camp, and uh, I thought I was solid camp. So I, I end up I end up getting cut. So now I, I'm sitting there in Florida. Okay, I just got cut from at the time probably one of the lower leagues, and uh, disappointed. You know, what am I going to do right now uh, with my life? You know, this is all I was planning to do. You know, playing hockey here, playing pro hockey. So. Kind of was, I was sitting down in Florida. I was shot over to uh, St. Petersburg. I visited my grandfather. My dad actually flew down. We were down there and uh, was able to find a rink. I was skating. I found a gym to work out, try to stay in shape and uh, see maybe something else came along. And uh, I was actually at the gym and I noticed a guy uh, working out. He had some hockey clothes on and I'm looking at him. He looked familiar. But I know I know this guy from somewhere. I've seen him. And it ended up being Jim Cummins. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of you know, Jim Cummins. So, of course. Tough guy. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, I, he was actually on the lightning, and it was it was all, it was that uh, strike year, and he was in the gym working out. And uh, you know, I, I was you know kind of dawned on me like you know here's a he's an American kid that's I remember hearing stories of him coming out of college and just going to the AHL and fighting and and uh, just going after the toughest guys there were. And, you know, made a name for himself and was able to you know move up into the NHL. And I was like, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know what? I just didn't do enough in West Palm. Like, I, you know, I, I, I left a lot out there. I could, I could have done more. I could have, you know, I could have, I could have fought, uh, you know, fought more. Just get noticed. Hey, let the coaches know. Like, who's, who's this kid? You know, who's this kid, Greg? You know, so um, that was my thought. Right then I made up my mind. I said, you know what? I, I, you know, that's when I thought about, hey, I'm, you know, I could do this. I'm going to go out. I'm going to, next time I get a tryout. I'm going to you know, almost leave my gloves on the bench type of thing and say, hey, you know, I'm ready to go. And everyone's going to know who I am. So uh, good or bad. So um, I kind of came home uh, from that experience. I got back in the gym. I got back, uh, you know, get on the ice, any ice I could check out. Take. I was down skating in the early morning, doing skill work, power skating. I was playing pickup hockey, men's league, anything I get on the ice. I was, you know, I was determined to the next shot I was going to get, uh, was, I was going to make it, and uh, I actually had a, a, a heavy bag, a uh, boxing heavy bag in my basement, and I actually tied a hockey jersey on there, you know, and I actually started, you know, training, you know, you know, training myself how to throw laps and throw uppercuts and change, you know, change my hands and cross grab. And, you know, I actually started studying, you know, videos and, and uh, working on stuff down in the basement and, you know, because I was next time. You know, when I got there, I was that's what I was going to do, and uh, and 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 that's kind of led me to, you know, then that year, next year coming up, where you know we called Huntsville. I had got that agent back. We called Huntsville. They said, you know, come to camp. And uh, and I remember before I left for going down there, as I was you know, packing my car, my dad, you know, grabbed me and he said, "Listen, it's you know been a tough year for you, like year and a half." He's like, "Maybe uh, you know this this experience doesn't work out for you, you know." 20 21 years old you know maybe it's time to get you know go back to school or go to you know work or whatever just you know pick something else to do and uh i said yeah no problem and i understand i got in the car it's probably gone two miles and i was like i ain't coming home (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) that's uh it sounds good but that's not what i'm gonna do right now i'm gonna i'm gonna play in huntsville and uh I'm, i'm i'm gonna play pro hockey this year so uh, get down, to, you know, make the trip, get down to Huntsville a couple of days early, you know, get ready, get settled in a hotel. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm skating, you know, we're skating, you know, pre-camp skate stuff and, uh, uh, come in the rink one day and I was talking to one of the guys I had met while they were, while I was down there and he said that, uh, he said, Oh, I got to see some guy that showed up that's trying out for the team. 
and he's from he's from uh, New Brunswick, and he's about six two, six three, two twenty. He's got a goatee. He doesn't look like a hockey player. He looks like a, a professional wrestler. And uh, he he said he's here to you know he's he's a fighter and he's coming in. He played some senior league in Canada. So you know after hearing that, I kind of walked away. I was like, well shit, what did I get myself into? You know. Um, uh, so thinking that night, you know, day and night before camp started, I, I I said to myself, this is the guy. I'm going through this guy. You know, this is the guy I got to go through. You know, to get noticed uh, for the coaches there in Huntsville and uh, to make that club. So. Came into the next day. We had a training camp game. Uh, my first shift out, I grabbed some kids, college kids. Uh, you know, I just wanted to get that. I was so amped up. I wanted to get that, get a fight out of the way. Uh, beat them up pretty good. Uh, let everybody know maybe anybody that wanted, you know, test me, I was ready to go. Um, but later on in that, that period, he kind of lined up to each other. He was a D-man. I was a forward, and it was in the corner. And uh, their guy won the, won the face-off and went back in the corner so I kind of went in the right him into the boards and I said this is it you know this is this is the time I'm gonna I'm gonna go this guy and uh so I rode him in pretty good kind of held there dropped the gloves we had a good go I got I got the best of him and uh I seemed to get a lot of room the rest of camp there and uh uh get a lot of I got a lot of confidence I went into the exhibition games that weekend I had a couple couple fights and I remember talking to uh Brent Sapruza who was a player assistant coach uh the night after after the our, our home game there in Huntsville, he said, uh, we love you. We're going to find you tomorrow. We showed a lot of, you know, a lot of balls going after that guy. We didn't, we were laughing at him. We said, no, no one's going to go after this guy during camp watch. And he said, you know, you did. So, you know, I, I was, you know, it's not the lesson you want to teach it, teach kids out there, but you know, I, it's something I wanted. I wanted it. And I said, I was going to do it. And, you know, and I did it, and, but, uh, I, you know, you could do that, but you know, you gotta, you gotta come the next day and bring it again. And, uh, and, and it's, uh, you can get there, but you gotta stay, you know? So, um, and, uh, that's it. You know, I signed in Huntsville and there we are, you know, um, now I'm, now I'm signed and ready to go. Yeah. It's always like, they always say it's, uh, it's hard to get there, but it's even harder to stay. So once you do it, yeah. you kind of get in that role, you know what you're there for. So, uh, but Peter Patter, yeah. you got at her, eh? Yeah, exactly. Yep, exactly. And the chaos started and, uh, you know, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, definitely, uh, like I said, yeah, we, I, I, I came out ready to go, uh, after that. And, uh, I knew that was, uh, how I got there and that, that year. And I knew that was the only way I was going to stay. And, you know, we, uh, we ended up going, having, you know, a, a great experience. We ended up winning the championship that year. And I, and, uh, it's, uh, that's, one of my great memories and times in hockey was that year. For sure. And well, you had a couple of teammates yeah. I got to ask you about, and one yeah. of them was yeah. a former uh, former guest of the podcast was Peter Zerba. What was it like playing yeah, with Zerbs. him? Uh, Zerbs was, uh, yeah, Zerbs was, uh, I tell you, an intense player, a tough player, good player. Um, I mean, I don't know, how, you know, he had that, like, maybe Matthew Barnaby, you know, he can really get, he could get the other teams crazy. Like he can, you know, he would, he would go after any player and, you know, they'd want to fight him. He would, he would just keep talking to them, getting, getting, uh, getting them crazy, getting them off their game. And then he was, and then he, then, you know, when they least expect it, he was ready to go and drop the gloves and he can, he could go with anybody. So yeah, Zerbs was, uh, he, he was intense, uh, intense player, uh, valuable player to that team. No, for sure, and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun listening, or excuse me, a lot of fun interviewing uh, Peter Zerbin. I know people yeah. enjoyed that episode, and uh, people, if yeah. you're tuning in for the first time, I encourage you to go back and check that episode out. I want to say it was like right around 13 or 14, maybe. Um, 
But another guy you had on the team, uh, kind of a former NHL tough guy, and he fought Probert a couple times. And of course, that's Craig Cox was on the the Channel Cats that year. What was it like playing yep. with that legend? Oh, you ain't kidding. Legends, uh, legends, the right word there. Uh, he was great, Coxie. Um, you know, I, like any, I mean, I didn't grow up in Canada, but uh, you know, Don Cherry. We knew the Don Cherry rock and sock and videos were big, and and uh, obviously. Uh, that was, uh, you know, I could, we all remember what I remember watching him play, you know, as a tough guy and, and obviously, uh, and, uh, and, uh, obviously those fights with Probert were legendary. And, and, uh, I still remember I, he skated camp with us that week. It was, you know, he was older at the time. And I can remember I, we, during camp that week, we're like, Hey, we're signed Craig Cox. I'm like, no way. That's awesome. And I think he joined us on the first weekend. Uh, I still remember kind of him getting on the bus and kind of coming in the back of the bus and, uh, hey, what's up, boys? You know, he was from California, you know, and uh, he definitely was, uh, you know, he was well, well respected. What a, what a legend. Uh, what a guy. So um, I remember early in that year, um, you know, having him was great, right? A lot, of, a lot of guys in that league, you know, at the time were, you know, looking to, you know, uh, you know, everyone knew who he was, right? So, you know, it, it wasn't where guys were looking to, to, test him um and him being older you know he it's not like he was coming down there with something to prove so um you know guys guys play tough against us but uh you know i i i was gonna have to handle the work he wasn't you know he wasn't gonna you know i i had no problem uh you know handling handling the work and doing and doing anything uh anything for him and uh though he you know he didn't really need that obviously but uh you know i was i made sure that uh you know um, I was there for the team, all our team, our teammates, and including Coxie. And um, you know, I remember kind of early in the year there, uh, we were playing in Daytona, and I had uh, two fights that game. And I had a second one was a long one. It was trading lefts and rights, and it was it was it was a good fight. And uh, we ended up coming back and winning that game. And I remember getting on the bus. Um, I was a rookie. I got on the bus. I probably sat somewhere in the front or middle. You know, and uh, Cox, he always sat in the back with the coaches. And uh, and I happened to break the kid's nose in the fight. And uh, they were talking about it. And all of a sudden, I got the, you know, Cox, he's like, hey, Jack, oh, you know, come on back, you know. So I went back and, you know, I'm like, wow, I'm getting called to sit back with Cox. This is a pretty cool situation. And I sat down and he's like, you broke his nose, man. Was that your first nose you ever broke? I go, I think so. And he's like, congratulations, man. That's awesome. Good job for <laughs> good job tonight. I'm proud of you doing a hell of a job, kid, you know? And, uh, thanks, you know, thanks Coxie. Thanks guys. And I went back like, uh, you know, the rookie went back into the middle of the front of the bus and, and, uh, you know, I, 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 I think, I think about that story, you know, I think about that a lot, you know, um, when I, when I see stuff bugs in my mind and stuff like that, but, uh, yeah, Coxie was, uh, he was, he was great to play with. There was, there was some amazing guys in that team. Um, some, you know, guys that, you know, I deserve mentioning that we do an alumni game um, uh, every year uh, for, for autism uh, down in, 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 uh, in Alabama, northern Alabama, and uh, we raise money. Uh, we do a game. A lot of, a lot of our guys, uh, John Gibson uh, and, and Mike Goose, DeGurst, they, they, they put it on. They, they get everybody together. It's a lot of like, guys that live, that live there, and they get a bunch of us to come in, um, come in to play, and we raise money. I think I, I want to say it's like, 300,000 we raised already. Oh, for, wow. For the Autism yeah, Research Foundation down there. And uh, Alabama's not, uh, 
you know, they don't get a lot of things covered, you know, with autism. So what, what the money that we raised went to like iPads and camps and, and a lot of good stuff for the kids down there that are, uh, and families that are dealing with it. Uh, my, I have a son, uh, Riley, uh, 11 year old who is autistic. So, um, and up in New York, they do, they do a good job up here, but, uh, it was, it was really good to get to see the guys and play again and get back, uh, and, and you know, Todd Doherty and Jonathan Dubois and, and, uh, you know, uh, Mike Gamble, uh, you know, guys that, you know, have come back and played in the games, herbs and stuff like that. So yes, it's, uh, you know, that, that's, that was a special group. Uh, a lot of, a lot of great players on our team. And, uh, you know, Larry Bernard came down, played with us. Uh, you know, he was, had been up in the IHL, Mark Bashan, guys that played, you know, high, you know, IHL levels drafted, came down and played that year. Phil Daigle, uh, another great guy on that team, Igor Bonarev and Alex Kormalayev, two, two Russians. Um, they smoke in the locker room between periods, but, uh, and they were like our <laughs> best players. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, uh, and, uh, and Dubois, Jonathan Dubois was, uh, he was a beauty, great, great, great player. Uh, tough player. Yep, that's another know. guy I was going to yeah. ask you about. I had him down here in my notes. Yeah. Tough dude. Yeah, Duby. Yeah, Duby was. Uh, Duby was. You know, he's a good hockey player. You know, good hockey player. A little dirty at times, uh, but uh, he could answer the bell too. Like you know, he can go. He was a lefty. He he, he was to take care of himself. Um, but uh, you know, it got to a point where you know he was so valuable on the ice. If guys were getting at Duby, I was coming in as early we were getting in there. You know. Um, you didn't want him fighting, but he still seen the rack over 200 penalty minutes that year. I'm pretty sure. But, uh, yeah, no, he went on to have a good career. Um, and, uh, probably one of the more famous players ever play in, in Huntsville, most popular players anyway, I'd say. Um, yeah, the, the year played, he was on the team out. with you, he had 83 points and 230 penalty minutes. So he led the team in wow. points and PIMS. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, for sure. He, uh, yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was he was a he was a great player for sure. You know, it's unbelievable. So, so yeah, I, that was funny. The summer that the summer after we played there, we won the championship, and uh, uh, there's three of us that stayed, stayed in town. There it was Igor Bondarev and Jonathan Dubois and myself, and we hung out all day. Every we did everything together, and it was like the, Igor was Russian and didn't know much English, and Duby was learning English, and he was being French, French Canadian, and. And the two of them would be fighting with each other, telling each other they couldn't speak English. And you know, I'm just sitting there trying to like translate for for both of them. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was good good memories for sure with those guys. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, so that was you kind of getting your feet wet with you know yeah. minor pro hockey and kind of the jungle that it was back in the day. Because you know, this yeah. is right at I in my personal opinion, I think it's like the peak of minor pro hockey was that late '90s when it was kind of really kicking off, especially down there in the south. Um, yeah. Were you confident and kind of, uh, you know, knew your role that you're going to put up some points a little here and there, but for the most part, you're going to kind of be that protector or that enforcer for the team? Yeah, uh, I guess, you know, I, I speak at Huntsville, I think I had 24 points, 200 PIMS, 20 majors that year, uh, 47 games. Uh, I definitely, uh, you know, I knew that was the that was going to be my path to that role was going to be my path to keep moving up. And I did have, you know, I, like that was my path to make pro hockey was to, to come in there and, and, and play, be the tough guy, one of the tough guys. And, uh, and, and I knew that would be my way to move up in hockey. And I had aspirations of getting to, to those higher levels, you know, the AHL, IHL at the time. So, um, yeah, no, I, you know, from there, I, I, uh, I, I got some, I got some interest that summer, 
uh, from teams in the East Coast in the Coney League, and I ended up going to uh, playing Dayton. Bobby Clouston and uh, was a teammate of mine in Huntsville, and he went up there and he took me up there, and and uh, that's how I I ended up in, in Dayton in the Coney Hockey League. Absolutely. Well, before we get into your teammates and guys you fought there, I got to ask you, man, what did you think of yeah. the old Dayton Ice Bandits logo and jerseys? Oh, uh, <laughs> they, I think they had to change. They, they had to change the logo. Uh, they had one, and they had to change it to to the other one there. Um, you know, uh, I can't. I was just, you know, Alec. I was so happy playing. I didn't even care what uniform they they, they put me in. Honestly, uh, um, you know. So, but uh, yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. I see it pop in. Sometimes they have some videos and talk about different logos and. That one, that one pops up there. It's, a, it's kind of a famous one. It's an old hockey one, hockey videos I've seen. So, um, no, it's uh, you know, I was just getting happy to be there, and I could have worn anything. You know, I was just happy to be there and wanted to do my job. So, oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. Me, yeah. me collecting jerseys. It's funny because that logo is so horrendous, but I love it at the same time. Yeah. So I got, I definitely got to yeah. get myself a Dayton Ice Bandits jersey one of these days. And for people listening that kind of don't know what we're talking about, it's it's almost like if you put. Like I don't, I, it's, almost, it's hard to even describe. It's almost uh, I've heard like the Hamburglar before. Is like almost kind of put that on skates with yeah. like a blue cloak over them or something. That's yeah. what it kind of looks yeah, like. Yeah, they had like they switched it too. They 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 switched it around too. They had you know certain things had that logo and then you know uh, so yeah no it's uh, you know yeah no it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't one of my favorite ones, though, for sure. But no. I was just happy to be. <laughs> for sure, absolutely. Um, and the Colonial League was no joke. That league was really starting to take yeah. off then. Um, I got a couple teammates I got to ask you about here on the Ice Bandits, and one is former podcast yeah. guest and uh, currently a moderator in the Enforcer Appreciation Group that I've been, uh, you know, I started a while back, and uh, he's currently actually doing a lot of great work and kind of leading the charge, just kind of being a voice for players who might be struggling mentally and. Uh, you know, struggling a little bit after hockey, and of course, that's Pat Barton. And I had a four-hour episode with him that was awesome. But uh, what was it like playing with Barts? Yeah. Uh, I was, you know, wasn't very long. It was actually, I was just, you know, it was disappointed to see him leave. But uh, was one of those guys we 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 hit it off like the first day of training camp, and uh, we seemed to gravitate to each other. We we had things in common. He, you know, I, I had a I had a fight the first day of training camp, and uh, probably just. You know, started chatting away after that, and uh, we hit it off. We, we got along real well. Uh, and then we started to actually, you know, just meeting them between you know uh, workouts and and inter-squad games. We were going to grab lunch, and and uh, you know, kind of carried on from there. We were good buddies, and and uh, he was he was a good guy. Um, you know, you know, hearing some of the stories now, and I have to talk to him. It's uh, it's 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 unfortunate, but man, is he, is he really coming through and, and working hard with everything and, you know, putting a lot of stuff out there and he's nothing, he's hiding nothing. And, uh, it's obviously helping him heal. So, uh, I'm happy for him. And, uh, you know, he, he was, uh, he was a good, definitely a good guy to, you know, to play with. For sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, he's doing a lot of great stuff on Facebook. And also, uh, actually, funny enough, while we were while we were talking here, I think he just posted in the group. Actually, I'll get the little notifications. So he's he's still posting the Enforcer Appreciation Group too, and he's one of the moderators in there, and he's uh, really helped the group take off, inviting a lot of guys in there. And uh, you know, hell, without Bart's, I may not have even been able to have you on the podcast and get in contact with you. So it's doing a lot of great stuff. Um, Pat yep. is, um, but another teammate I got to ask you about, and he was. I don't know if you've seen it, but he was one of the guys that was followed in the uh, the Les Chiefs documentary that followed the Laval yeah. Chiefs and the QSPHL. And you know who I'm talking about is uh, Mike Bajerni. Oh, yeah. Badger, yeah, Badger. Uh, I talked to him today, actually, Alex. He actually called me today. He wanted to know how the numbers with the coronavirus were going in New York. That uh, he's uh, he's a, he's a beauty uh, Badger. I call him, yeah, you know, Mike Bajerni, but he was he went as Badger. Um, when his Badger back then as, as, as a nickname. Uh, you know, first time I met him, uh, he was playing for Brantford. I was playing for, for Dayton. And uh, he, I'm playing, I want to say, it was, was kind of early in the year, obviously. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm back checking, and everyone remembers the name, Paul Palillo. He was the best, probably the best player in the league. Uh, he was playing for Brantford as a league goal scorer. Well, he went to dump the puck in and, and uh, I just wanted to finish him off, and I kind of like pancaked him from behind. And it was, it was like at the time, it's like hitting Gretzky, you know, in, in, in the Colonial Hockey League. So um, I knew, you know, shortly after that that he was coming for me, and uh, we we ended up ha- we ended up having a uh, pretty good tilt that night. And uh, then I went back up uh, after you know a couple weeks later, and you know, I'm I'm coming out for a faceoff early in the game, and you know I know he's coming. And sure enough, I turn around and he's coming up next to me, looking at me. I always give him a hard time. I told him, told him he suckered me in that fight. He, he didn't let me drop my gloves at first. He, he threw a shot, but uh, and then we end up going again. So I fought this guy three times. Um, I actually the first the night I hit Polio, we I actually had 45 pims in that game. That was a crazy game. I uh, ended up fighting for Germany, and then I got uh, uh, Jesse Austin came after me. Uh, I was a you know big tough kid back then in, in the league, and uh, we fought, and then uh, I was in the penalty box, and Austin got the instigation. As he skated by the penalty box, I I said to him, you know, don't jump me next time, you know, whatever. And uh, he charged the penalty box, so he came in the penalty box. I wish there was some video of this, but uh, we ended up fighting in the penalty box. So uh, all said and done, I, uh, I I ended up with like 45 penalty minutes that 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 came. Uh, it was yeah, I got my uh, I got my. Yeah, definitely put in a good night's work there, and uh, I'm sure I quickly got around the league. So I, I, uh, <laughs> so I, a couple later on in the year, I come into the into the dressing room, and uh, my my coach calls me in, and uh, he's like, uh, "Hey, we made a trade today. You need some help. You've been fighting too much. Your hands are getting you know banged up." He's like, "I'm bringing in uh, Mike Bajerni and Jesse Austin. Go. You're bringing those two guys in. I hate you know." I've been going, I've been fighting those guys all year. You're going to bring them into our team. And, uh, he's like, no, yeah, they're coming. They're on their way. So, um, meeting him in the locker room when he got there for practice after having those fights with him that year, uh, was interesting, but, uh, we ended up hitting it off really well, uh, becoming good buddies. He actually then came down to New York and spent that summer team and spent a week with me, uh, down there. Uh, he's, I, he's come down several times to see me. I go, you know, I, coaching. I, I try to get to tournaments in Toronto and Ottawa. He goes back and forth there, uh, living these days. And uh, so we always we always catch up. So he's one of my good friends. 
to this day um, with hockey. He was back in the early 2000s. He was trying to get me to go out and play in the uh, the the, uh, the league. The, the oh, Quebec the old league, Quebec but, League. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, I he was. I live in the, I live in the rink. It's pretty cool, you know. We practice a couple times a week. We fight all the time. I was, you know, I was like, uh, sounds like fun. But I, I had I'd gotten married and uh, you know had had a daughter coming. So you know, I said maybe I, you know, I just started my business and working on coaching and stuff so um i decided uh you know i'll I'll, uh hold off on that and but uh no great great guy uh great you know uh like i said it's great to keep in touch with some of these guys he's one of the guys i do keep in touch with but uh yeah no good, good guy for sure, yeah. Maybe it's best you didn't go to the uh, the crazy Quebec league up there. Although I love that league, yeah. I know I know some people oh, have a distaste for yeah. it, but oh, I love that league. Yeah. No, for sure. Some of the guys, like obviously, yeah, and like I followed, uh, started following a lot of the videos of that league. I'm like, wow, you know, it's, it's uh, some crazy stuff. And and uh, no, it's it's uh, you know that that's how it was. I mean, you know, the leagues back then in the '90s, it was. Um, it was you know very violent, tough, uh, tough hockey. Um, every all those teams you had you had three or four guys that could put the puck in the net, and then you you had you know you know four tough guys in every team, you know, and um, you know you know it was you when you played home, you want to put a you know play tough for your home fans and, and put a show on, and then and and when you went on the road, it, it was you know it was it was you know ten that was times two, you know what I mean? You're, with all the guys that they had. So you went in quad cities, you know, you went in, you know, uh, Thunder Bay, uh, back in, Flint, you know, just to make, yeah, it was, you know, it was, uh, it was a, uh, you know, a tough time, a tough era, um, for sure with, with hockey. I mean, I can remember early in that year, uh, Thunder Bay came in and that year they had, uh, Kevin Holiday, Jason Bisher, Mel Engelstad and uh, I was going to say I think they had uh, they had Engelstad that year too. That's actually what yeah. I was just starting to type in here. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, they had uh, Bruce Ramsey. Uh, and, Good uh, night. Oh, they had well, Jason Payne too that yeah. year. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was, yeah, you couldn't catch a break yeah. against them. Yeah. Oh, exactly. So uh, I so playing Thunder Bay. Actually, this this was in Dayton and. Uh, my coach comes in and he, and he's all fired up for warmups and he's like, you know, this Thunder Bay team is going to come in here and they're going to try to run us out of the building. He's like, we're not having it. You know, he looks right at me. He's like, Gregor, he's like, you got Bruce Ramsey first shift tonight. You got him. You're fighting him. And he's like, that was his pregame speech. And he walked out, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's, you know, all right, let's, let's get at it. You know, and I can remember skating and warmup. I probably didn't touch the puck. I was looking down and, because at the time, Ramsey had that, you know, he had been in the league for five years. He had, like, 300 penalty minutes every year, led the league in majors. Um, it hurts, you know, guys that have been in the league. With, with, he was one of those guys that they talked about, you know, was, you know, kind of crazy or, you know, fought a lot. And uh, I can remember sitting there for the game, and I can remember a couple guys on my team had been in the league before, and they're like, you know what, they're like, we saw him fight last year, you know, like, we watched you, if you, you know, you, you, you're going to hang with him. And, uh, you, you know, be ready. And I said, yeah, no problem. I'm going to have to be here in a bit. And uh, if you remember, you know, second shift of the game, uh, you know, I'm a fourth-line guy. Second shift of the game, I get the tap, and I'm on the ice, and I'm looking over, and, there, you know, there's, there's Ramsey. And it didn't take much. I think I thought the puck drop. I think I leaned on my stick on his shin pad or nudged him a little bit, and, and we were going. And uh, great fight, you know. Um, 
you know, traded back and forth. Uh, it was a pretty long fight. Uh, I think that was a fight that was pretty early in the year that year. And I think that was the one I felt like, okay, I feel like I, I can, I can hang in this league. Like I'm going to be okay. You know, um, it was kind of a confidence booster for me, that fight, you know, and, uh, cause you know, moving up to that league, I moved up from the star league and into the colony league. That was the next step. And the colony league had such a reputation of tough guys. And, uh, obviously, so, you know, going with a guy like that early in the year and, and, and holding your own and, you know, at times of winning the fight, um, you know, put me down at the end, but I was, I was happy that I, I went with him and, you know, it was, it was a, you know, cause it, it made me feel like I belonged. Yeah, time. for sure, man. I mean, and that, yeah. that Thunder Bay team was absolutely no yeah. joke. And um, I know you had him down on your fight card and you just mentioned him, but he's an absolute legend in the minor league legend, hockey world. Yeah. Uh, but what was, uh, what was it like fighting old Anglestad, the Mangler? Uh, uh, he had, you know, at the time he had, he, he had, again, a reputation, toughest guy in the league. He had been up and down the, you know, this is before his, you know, chance, you know, in the, in the national hockey league. But, um, you know, I remember fighting Ramsey and then I came out and I fought, uh, another, like, it was almost like a middleweight guy. I fought, he came after me and I fought him, got the better him. I'm trying to remember his name, but he wasn't one of their main guys. And I think besides fighting Ramsey and then I fought this, this other kid. I can remember I was in the penalty box, and I, I probably I, I, he probably didn't. You know, it's the way he played, but I felt like Engelstad took a penalty to to sit across from me in the penalty box. He was yelling <laughs> at me. Like, he was screaming at me, Alec, like, 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 like I'm, you're dead. I'm, I'm going to get you, you're, you know. And I I was like, man, I, I, two things I remember. I was like, man, this, this guy's pretty – he is he's definitely crazy, this, this guy. And uh, – I, all I remember saying to him is like, "Hey Mel, I got two majors. I got one more. So yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go. You know." And uh, we ended up not fighting that game. Uh, I think by the time I got out, the way the score was, it just didn't happen. And uh, sure enough, a couple weeks later, you know, early in the game, I come on the ice and he he was out there. And I just, let me just get this let me get this out of the way. He's he's looking for it. I'm looking for it at the time. And uh, we went at it. And uh, you know, I, I still. I could see why fighting him, why he did so well, you know, his strength and his size. And, his, and uh, you know, I was trying to get some rights, rights uh, going. He threw some rights. And I tried to switch, and I didn't pull the trigger, and he caught me a little bit, and I went down. But, uh, you know, that's the type of guy, again, you fight in that league at that time, and it gets out around the league, and it, your teammates are just, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're proud of you. They, they, they know you, you know, it's one of the toughest guys in the league. And, you know, so it's uh, – you know the guys appreciate it, and uh, I mean I think that's what the role of the tough guy. Like I think we we get into it to uh, maybe make a team or fit. You get up, get up, get to a level, and uh, once we get in there and we start doing it, um, it doesn't. It's not really about us anymore. It's about uh, sticking up for your teammates, changing the flow of a game, trying to you know trying to make sure guys are you know okay out there. Um, so it's kind of about that. Uh, the role that we're, you know we we're, you know we're helping you know we're helping our teammates we're there for our teammates we're we'll take the we're, we'll take the punches so you guys can play you know so um as it may be selfish why we get in that role it's, it's not a, it's unselfish totally in uh uh role but uh again you know i'm proud of proud of those fights and proud of you know my time in those, in those leagues so uh, but yeah like you know again it's uh you got those guys and then the next night you got uh Whoever, you know, the next team coming in with a couple guys. So, you know, Muskegon coming in, I got Rob Belanson, you know, so, um, you know, he's another tough guy uh, back then, Richie Walcott, uh, you know, and then they, you know, you get the, I, you know, uh, 
then a young kid came in that year. Curtis Taylor came in. Um, he came in fighting everybody. Uh, he was uh, he, he ended up having a nice little career. He was he, he's a strong guy. Could really go. Uh, and then uh, you know I started having some battles with uh, that went on for a couple of years with Kevin Kevin Holiday, who was uh, uh, ended up having a nice long career. As a tough guy, um, uh, tough kid there. So. Oh yeah, and um, you know, for, for those listening, yeah. actually, that that uh, well, I think your rounds one and two are there with uh, with Holiday on YouTube, so people people listening can go check those fights out. Uh, I think yeah, yeah, and one of them, I think you actually get the better of them too. You actually uh, do pretty well yeah. there. Yeah, that was actually uh, that was uh, I remember that well because that was up at Thunder Bay, and uh, it was uh, game was getting physical and. Uh, the puck dropped and uh, Badger, the journey fought uh, Engelstad and uh, they had a pretty good, t- pretty good go. And uh, maybe, maybe edge, you know, maybe edge Mel in that one, you know, two big heavyweights. And then obviously, you know, puck dropped again and puck went down the ice and, I, you know, went after the holiday and, and uh, that's how that fight started. So I was in the, I was in the penalty box with, with Badger and he's like, when are we playing these guys again? I'm like, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. He's like, he's like, yeah, we're going those guys again. You know, we're going to get those, we're going to, you know, keep getting those guys. And, uh, he was, so we got back from uh, that trip in Thunder Bay and Badge was like, let's go to the gym. I'm like, what? We're going to sit in the sauna, you know, hot tub. Like we gotta, we gotta rest here. We're getting beat up here. And he's like, no, we're going to work out. Let's get going. So, you know, he was, uh, he was getting ready for his rematch, rematch with, uh, with Mel after that. So, uh, yeah, no, playing those guys were playing Thunder Bay. Those guys was it was never it was not a night off. That's for sure. Oh, never, not a chance. Never. <laughs> not happen. No way. No way. You know that reputation definitely exceeds itself. So. Absolutely. Well, you know, so you you actually ended up in the CHL with Fort Worth, and then you get traded to uh, well, it could be vice versa the way hockey DB works. Sometimes they mix and match here, um, but you actually end up going to Nashville with the Ice Flyers, and so you play a few games there. But the uh, the next, I guess, bigger year in your career is with in the old Whipple, the Western Pro League, and talk about jumping from toughness to toughness with the Colonial League out to the Western Pro League, um, and you actually end up with San Angelo on the Outlaws. You know, how did that happen, man? Uh, yeah, the, uh, year ended in Dayton. Uh, they ended up selling the team to, uh, Utica. Uh, so we kind of just, we had a, a dispersal draft. Flint picked me up. They were wanting to bring me to Flint and Bobby Clauston, again, somebody that played in Huntsville and Dayton said, you know, well, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to San Angelo with Mark Bashan. We're bringing you, we want you to come with us and, you know, play, you know, protect us, not protect us, but you know what I mean? They wanted, they wanted to have me there and, and uh, they knew what I could bring to the team, and uh, so yeah, I went. To, I went to Western Pro. I remember it. Uh, it was the first uh, hockey they ever had there in San Angelo. It was an expansion team in the league. I think it was the second year of the league, maybe third year. And uh, you know, uh, it was fun. Out the hop, the city was behind the team. The fans were great. Uh, we're selling out there. Um, there's some different barns down there, you know, being in Texas, there were some different, you know, like some ro- old, old, uh, Coliseums where they like were built for rodeos and, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of tough guys in that league, uh, for sure. Um, but, uh, I, you know, my experience wasn't, I, you know, wasn't the greatest there. Um, as far as, um, 
you know, at the time I had two years where I, you know, putting some numbers up and fighting some tough guys. And, and in that summer, uh, before I went to San Angelo, I had some interest in IHL and, you know, that was, uh, so my goal was to try to get to camp eventually there. And, uh, when I went to San Angelo, um, you know, I really kind of, I, I, I want, you know, I knew my role as a tough guy, but I wanted to, uh, want to start playing a little bit more, try to get some numbers up to play. Um, but you know how that goes. You start doing that and you're not fighting enough. But, uh, so it was the point I was, I was, I was fighting and fighting a lot, but uh, I was trying to get it, get in the lineup and, and get, get and play a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I was, that's what I was thinking at that point, you know, uh, of my career. Um, and you know, we had a pretty top heavy team. We had some great forwards in that team. We had one line to I think all three guys finished over a hundred points, Boulan, Boudreau and Ross Harris. And, um, again, it was an exciting time. It was, a, it was a new team. The fans were behind it. Uh, you know, fought some guys in that league. Uh, you know, uh, I remember fighting a uh, uh, big fight at home, uh, Jeremy Thompson. Oh yeah, uh, brother of Rocky. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I knew. You know, I knew he was a tough kid, tough guy. But, you know, tough kid out of the Western Hockey League. Uh, you know, I obviously heard of his brother. Uh, I think we were at the home game sellout. We we're down two goals. It was like, you know, I'm out there with him. It's like that's the time. You know, I gotta you know, try to get the crowd going, get their, get our team going. And, uh, we, uh, you know, kind of came off the face off and, uh, we moved up to center ice and we dropped the gloves and, uh, he was a boxer. I didn't know that to after. So uh, <laughs> he, kind of started, he started throwing like boxing combinations on me with jabs and he caught me a couple and it actually woke, kind of woke me up a little bit. And then, uh, uh, ended up taking over the fight pretty good, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, uh, you know, memorable. That was one of my memorable fights that year. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was a fun time, fun 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 city. But uh, the hockey, the hockey for me, uh, I wasn't uh, I wasn't overall um, great experience. But uh, good, you know, great group of guys for sure. Yeah, a guy you had on your team uh, wanted to ask you about, and he put up a, a lot of pims out in the yeah. uh, the LNH and the Quebec League. But that's Jason Clark. Yeah, Clarkie. Yeah, Clarkie. Uh, Clarkie. Uh, yeah, I think he had 500 pims one year in the, I think the East Coast Hockey League. Uh, yeah, Clarkie. Uh, good guy, good teammate. Um, definitely one of those guys that uh, can can get uh, get the other teams off their game, and uh, he's tough enough to back it up for sure. Yeah, and it's just just to give a, a people idea of um, you know how tough the old Western Pro League was. Uh, well, you mentioned Jeremy Thompson, and of course, uh, you go to Fort Worth with the, uh, or excuse me, um, yeah, Fort Worth with the Brahmas, and you go to that in that lineup, and you got Middendorf, Screwy St. Louis, and Mel Engelstad. Yeah. Again, you can't get away from Mel that year either. He's he followed yeah. you out to the uh, the Western yeah. Pro League. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, he he got called up. That was he got called up after pretty quickly there. He went up to the eye and I, he never came back. So, uh, yeah, no, good, you know, good, good for that. He deserved it for sure. Absolutely. Well, um, yeah. well, so, you know, the next year after that, <laughs> that Western pro stint, you end up back in the colonial, well, at, it's the UHL at this time, but same league, yep. um, with Saginaw. How did that happen? Or what did you go to Saginaw or BC first? I went to uh, Saginaw first. I actually okay. was, uh, I actually, yeah, that summer, uh, I actually, that summer, um, we got a call from, 
actually had somebody here in Long Island that's uh, uh, friends with an agent. They would we, they knew Mike Milbury. Uh, Milbury was a GM at the time for the Islanders, uh, and they had talked to him and said, "Hey, it's a kid from Long Island that's putting some telling minutes up in the minors. He, you know, the local kid. Maybe you should give him a look." And uh, Mike reached out, and at the time I was. You know, I had my fingers crossed. I, we, he was thinking about bringing me to Islander camp. And, uh, how funny that, you know, a couple of years before I'm trying to crack pro hockey, I'm a Ranger fan. Now I'm going to, you know, potentially the Islanders uh, training camp. So right. I ended up going to a rookie camp with them. And then I got sent to uh, Lowell in the American League training camp. So I did uh, did that training camp with Lowell. And uh, from I got sent down to Jacksonville uh, in the East Coast League. Uh, went down there, you know, had, had a couple fights, uh, exhibition and uh, regular season. And one of those, you know, instances where, you know, we started out like one and five or something and, you know, coaches making changes and uh, making trades and changes. And, and then I, I found myself out of there and uh, on the way to uh, on the way of Saginaw in the United League. <laughs> and off you went. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, did – was the toughness still there, of course, out in the old UHL? I mean, I know it was, but, uh, you know, for people listening, even though they made the switch over to the UHL, was the toughness still out there in that league? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, yeah, you still, you know, you had, you had, you had, the, you know, the, some of the guys still still around there, you know, holidays. Um, uh, was this the year you fought Goulash? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quad, quad had quad had uh, a couple guys that year. Goulash was one of their main guys. Uh, it was one of those, uh, uh, you know, play, you know, he was the kind of guy like you went in front of the net with him in the corner. Um, it, you know, you're you're going to end up fighting. He played that type of game. He was physical defenseman, tough tough defenseman. Uh, had put up some a lot of pillings in his career. Um, yeah, we had some fights that year. Uh, Steph on the door. Was another tough kid out of the uh, Quebec League uh, Junior League. Uh, we had a good fight with him and uh, and uh, and Quad one night. And they brought some kid up. He was six foot five. Uh, Rob Bolesky. He had played a little bit in the West Coast League and the WHL. Uh, six foot five, and uh, I had a couple couple scraps uh, couple scraps with uh, with him that season uh, versus Quad. Um, but it's funny. Recently, I was uh, out in New Jersey uh, working at a, a junior hockey camp, and uh, Gary Gulash's son was there. Gavin was there, and uh, I got a chance to meet him. I was like, "Yeah, you know, I used to fight your dad," and so he was laughing. He's like, uh, "You know, just you know, we're telling some old stories back in the day with the minor minor pro back then." But yeah, no, it was uh, interesting to meet him and uh, and talk to him. But uh, yeah, no, getting traded to Saginaw was uh, was uh, or ending up in Saginaw was. Uh, uh, I, I loved. I actually liked playing there. It was an old time, old time hockey town. Uh, you know, they liked their physical players. I liked their tough guys. And obviously, 45 minutes down the road is Flint. So Flint and Saginaw had uh, some, you know, rivalry there. And uh, I think I fought Jason Payne uh, five times that one season. Uh, so Painter was, uh, yeah, Painter was. Uh, he was he was tough, but big, uh, big kid. He threw both hands fast could get out of his jersey get out of his arms out of his sleeve pretty good uh he was, he was definitely one of those guys that was he was hard to handle he ended up uh, he, he 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 went up and down a lot 
know, he went now to the Quebec League and had a had a career there. Um, but it's great to see uh, Painter because he he's up actually he's assistant coach in the East Coast League for uh, Cincinnati now, and uh, he had a hockey program similar to what I do in Toronto, and uh, so. We uh, were able to, over the years, I've got to see him and talk to him and coach against him. So it's great to catch up. I mean, you know, the guy you fought five or six times in your career, you know, you hate the guy. And now you're, uh, you know, if only you text him, call him once in a while, just, you know, pop, you know, see him at, uh, you know, tournaments and stuff like that, coaching. So, you know, it's great, you know, years when you're you're battling these guys and then, you know, years later, you can, you're still friends or, you you know, it's like it didn't happen. You know, there's a respect for each other and, uh that's for sure with, with Jason Payne, you know, as off the ice and on the ice for how tough he was and what he's done off the ice of coaching. So, um, good for, good for Painter. So for sure. But, and yeah, you, know, no, you yeah. ended up with, uh, with the Iceman in BC and a teammate you had on there yeah. was a former, former guest of the podcast as well. And he, he made his rounds. He was also on spit and chicklets. He was, uh, in the big boy podcast there, I guess you could say, uh, was Pete Vandermeer. What was it like playing with yeah. him out there in BC? Yeah, Vandy, yeah, he was uh, uh, tough, tough to play the game. Tough, tough, obviously, you know, what he did on his career. Yeah, I was I was playing Saginaw. I, I loved playing there. We were trying to get back in the playoff hunt there. Um, you know, my head coach there, Durkee, uh, he he, uh, he was took care of me out there. He said, listen, he goes, we're not going to probably make the playoffs. He says, Big Anson called for you. You know, uh, they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, you got Vandermeer. He's fighting a lot. And you've got to come in and, you know, uh, play here and, and help them out a little bit and i said okay and being from new york and long island it was only a few hours away and so i was like you know what let's go and uh, and i got traded out there and we played the last 15 games there with with vandy um uh we had some battles uh you know me and him fought you know, we, you know uh, utica i can't remember who i fought uh, uh tim chuck josh tim chuck had some battles with tim chuck uh he had he had he was fighting you know surgery bears um you know, uh, it was some, uh, some, uh, some, some tough hockey. So that was, that's another one, right? They'll link an hour from each other, uh, Utica and Binghamton. So, but Vandy was, uh, I agree from that season, I think our season, we got knocked out in the playoffs and, uh, he went right up to, uh, American league. And I think he fought Dennis Bondi right away. And he did pretty well. So we were, we were kind of proud that, you know, Vandy had, uh, you know, did that. And then obviously, uh, he went back to the coast a little bit and then that was it. American you know, American League, IHL, and uh, got to play, you know, one of the guys, you know, that I got to play with that we made it up to the NHL and get some NHL games. So, good for Vandy, you know. Absolutely. Tough, tough SOB. Um, oh, all God. those all those Vandermeers, man, they grow like weeds. Oh, my God, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, I, I, I played against and played and with Bruce Watson, and, you know, Watson I know was on, on the show, and he was – Waddy was tough really tough but uh, i was there that I, think, I know he brought it up maybe on the podcast that you know, welcome to the united league i had to fight P- you know pete vandermeer and i didn't see why he lose too much but uh uh you know vandy vandy uh vandy won that one but uh you know he was he was he was tough i told guys later on that was just didn't see him lose much it, um I didn't, I didn't see him lose much i was you know he was pretty impressive for, for and he wasn't a big guy vandy you know wasn't a big guy but uh he was smart uh, smart fighter and he he loved it too right he he loved it you know and he's a guy that could play the game like he could score at the time he could you know and he didn't he could play his role you know for a lot of guys sometimes it's tough to you know you're so focused on that role you know being a fighter and then you're 
your laser focus in the game on on your on the role and watching what's going on and, and you know you're not you're maybe thinking about your you know playing and I don't want to tell the you, know, you don't want to tell the kids that you know but uh, you know we were just sometimes it was just like hey man just don't make a mistake get the puck out get it deep and you know a guy like Vandy you know he could, you know scoring goals putting up 400 penalty minutes just like <laughs> you know <laughs> right you know, pretty impressive you know? you know pretty impressive you know he got it got up in the NHL so good for, you know good for him. Absolutely, just he he yeah. definitely got it done. And it's funny you actually mentioned Watson. Yeah. Um, I'm wearing his jersey right now. Watson was nice enough to send me a send me a game worn of his Port here on Border Catch jersey. And so every podcast okay. I always put on a jersey. But yeah, it's funny this thing's fucking tattered. It's absolutely just shredded. <laughs> <laughs> of course yeah. it is. Um, yeah. So well, you know, you actually. Well, before we skip ahead a little bit to uh, the Ice Hawks, yeah. but I got to ask you because I actually, hell, I might have even seen you play. Of course, I'd be too young to remember, but we moved down to Jacksonville from uh, from Quad City right around the okay. same time that you were there. But how did you enjoy okay. the Lizard Kings? Because you ended up in the ECHL. Uh, you only played four yeah. games, but, you know, how yeah. was it there? Yeah, I went to, uh, uh, like I said, I went to, uh, I was going to Lowell, and I got sent down to Jacksonville. Um, you know what? I got I got down there, and uh, it was, uh, you know, we were going to the beach after practice, and uh, you know, I was like, wow, this is, it, it was uh, it was it was weird for me, you know, uh, seeing that, uh, you know, like just thinking, you know, hockey, the hockey, you know, you know, not, you know, you don't go to the beach after practice, but it was we were going to the beach, we were kind of having a good time down there. Uh, and, uh, you know, so it was, uh, it was, it was a good time down there. It was a good group of guys. I, you know, we were, we were started off, like I said, started off slow and there was a lot, you know, a lot of changes there, but I, that's what I remember most. It was a pretty good group of guys and it was a pretty cool city, you know, to be playing down in Florida and guys going to golf or going to the beach after practice. That's what uh, I remember most of, about being there. So. Oh, we got beaches and plenty of golf yeah. courses down here. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we'll get to the, you know, that you end up in Adirondack. Well, actually, again, yep. so I got to ask, was it, did you go back to Saginaw first or did you go to Adirondack first? Yeah, yeah no, I went, I went back to, uh, I went back to Saginaw and uh, yeah, Turkey brought me back. The season ended uh, big tonight. tonight. Uh, worked out a deal and Saginaw wanted to take me back. Uh, and I went back to, Sa- went back to Saginaw. And uh, started started the year out there, uh, you know, you know, playing my role, fighting, and uh, we ended up going to uh, we came in to play Utica uh, at at Utica, and uh, we're losing a game. Uh, it's late in the game, and uh, there's a uh, you know, me and uh, Richie Walcott was playing with me then in uh, Saginaw, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, we're frustrated with losing the game. You know, after a whistle, it's like, we'll come together. We're a lot of push and shove, and, you know, guys are trying to fight and uh, trying to get at somebody. And I get taken into I get taken into the penalty box, and uh, I'm in the penalty box, and there's a fan there. Now, you see all the arenas now. The glasses are so high, right? But back in Utica, it was like they literally could lean in. So they uh, – the fan comes over, and he's like, Hey, Greg, Greg, I remember you from last year. You know, fuck you. You suck. Your team sucks. <laughs> starts, pouring beer, starts pouring beer on me. What a slow person. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're throwing, they're throwing stuff at me. And I'm like, so I'm like, 
what the hell? So like, he comes by, he comes by the glass again, like leaning over the glass. And I take my stick and I, I, I kind of hit the glass to kind of back him up. And then he, you know, he's throwing more stuff in, into the pelling box. And I'm like, where's the security around? This guy's crazy. And, uh, and then I sit there and I think about it. And I thought of, uh, you know, Pat Cavanaugh, he was a, a, a tough guy, a guy from Long Island, New York, uh, that I knew very well, kind of a mentor for me with, with hockey and coaching. Um, I remember he played in the East Coast League several years earlier. He went in the stands in Greensboro, <laughs> and he actually got called up to Peoria in the IHL right after that. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know what? I got nothing to lose here, right? We're losing the game. This guy's, you know, throwing stuff in the tie box, and, and you know. So I'm like, I'm going. I, I just was like, that's all I thought about. Like, you know, if I maybe I go in the stands, maybe I'll get, I'll get, you know, I'll get called up. <laughs> <laughs> Some team will see it somewhere and go, this guy went to stands. This, this, what's wrong with this guy? We need him, you know? And uh, that's how it was right back then. And, 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 you know, hockey was like that back then in a lot of ways in the minors. And, you know, so anyway, so I, I like, you know what? I'm going for this. So I start climbing up on Alex. I start climbing up on the glass. I mean, I got like one leg, leg over. And this guy's like looking at me like, and uh, another fan from behind gets a hold of me and kind of starts pulling on me and I fall back into the glass and I go down and I get back up and I go to try to get back up in there. And uh, I look over my whole, my whole team, you know, my whole team was flying across and, uh, and then it's, you know, they're swinging sticks or jumping on the glass. It was, it got, it got out of control. It was, it was crazy. And uh, so I end up, uh, you know, obviously at that time I'm out of there. So I get taken to the locker room and uh, I'm in the locker room and one by one got, you know, I got, uh, I got uh, some of my players coming in in the locker room, and I'm like, "What are you in for?" He's like, "Ah, you know, I, I it was a backup goalie who had just been there for like a week. I never forget his name, Stu Monan. He was a nice kid, didn't play a game, and he comes in. And I'm like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "He's like, oh, I broke a stick on the glass, and they they saw it, so they, I got kicked out." And I'm like, "You're a backup goalie. What are you, you know, what are you doing?" So we end up, you know, <laughs> heading busting home back to Saginaw, and uh, you know, we end up, you know. You know, go, we got got in, went to bed, and uh, that was like pre-cell phone. So I wake up in the morning and I got a bunch of you know on my answer machine, uh, you know, messages. And then I we went out to the mall. We you know, like people at the mall were like, were we listening to the game on the radio? What the what happened? You were going in the stands. I'm like, oh no, no big deal. It's you know, I get home and uh, next thing I got like 15 messages, and I'm like, oh my god, I better start listening to some of these messages. And it's like uh, pay, the Saginaw paper, this paper, Associated Press. Like I don't know how they got my number. I guess they called the office and they wanted to get like interviews. It got out on the on the cable network because uh, it was the, the news there in Utica was there taping the game. It was so it got sent out. And like the last message was from like the director of discipline of the of the league. The last name was Lam- I can't remember his first name. Lam- oh boy, from the, from the United League. He goes Jack. You know. Lamru from the United Hockey League, directed discipline. Please call me uh, when you uh, when you get this message. I was like, oh boy, okay. So I, you know, I called up, and of course I felt like, you know, I was trying to cure my life, and you know, whatever, you know, like some had a slap shot, you know, like uh, you know, trying to like, uh, you know, and he was like, well, Jack, we watched all the video of it. He's like, it didn't look like that, and I ended up getting like an eight game suspension. So. From there, that's uh, that's kind of ended my second reign in in in, uh, in Saginaw because then we did a big seven player trade with Adirondack and I got put put into that and 
I guess the ownership wasn't happy about the fines and the suspension I got. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, I ended up getting shipped off to Adirondack from there. So, uh, so you didn't get called up from that. <laughs> no, I didn't get called up. I didn't get called up. I was wait. I was waiting for the, I, I was 15 messages. I was waiting 15, for, yeah, 15 uh, messages, not a single one of them talking about the waiting, big boy club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for like my agent or somebody to call and say, you know, get on a, get on the plane or get on the bus or something. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of like people hearing about it. It was, it said news, news, uh, people for the news and, and stuff like that. Wanted to know what happened in an interview and, and stuff like that. But, uh, no, it was no calls from there. Actually, you got the eight game suspension and traded. So, um, <laughs> so I saw something on Facebook recently, uh, with the Mohawk Valley Prowlers, uh, uh, page from that way back, you know, it's it's a I guess relatively new page. It's a fan page, but from that team back then. And one of the posts on the post, they talk about that, you know. And uh, the uh, the guy that made the post was were talking about about me and that and that incident. And and, uh, and then he ended it by saying, and uh, uh, strangely enough, uh, Jack Gregg is coaches uh, youth hockey back AAA hockey back on Long Island is name of his uh of his business is Jack Greg Attack Hockey. So I guess that name suits suits suited him well or something. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So but uh yeah so I got traded to Adirondack after that uh after that uh, suspension. So in Adirondack uh, man you had a couple teammates yeah. I gotta ask you about and that was uh Sean Yak Mission and Mike Varhog. Um yeah 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 he was Yak was you know not a big guy gamer could go uh t- tough player sure a uh, western canadian kid um i did not i i think i was out of there when Valhog came in ah, unfortunately big uh, yeah, dude yeah 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 i saw yeah i saw him he he was coming he came in towards the towards the end of my my playing career and uh uh yeah no he you know he went up in the quebec league I, I, and uh, did pretty well but yeah no i didn't play with him there but uh yeah commission i did and uh that was again. It was pretty cool. It was not far from home for me, so I, I was able to have some friends and family come. And uh, um, you know, we got in a little bit of a, a veteran issue there, um, as far as play. You know, back then, you know, leagues had the veteran rules. You know, guys were like over 200, 220 games. You know, and a certain amount of guys dressed at night and stuff like that. So I was happy there. I was doing pretty, you know, fighting and. and uh, uh, great owner there, Artie Shaver was 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 a great 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 owner. He loved the fighting, Artie. Right, like he'd come in the locker before the game and sit right next to you and be like, "Hey, Greg, you got one in you tonight. Let's get it going early in the game." You know, and uh, that's that's you know, I uh, you respected him for that because uh, you knew that's uh, that's what he what it, you know he wanted. And uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, we got a little veteran problem. I was getting in and out of the lineup because of that, and uh, and and that's when you know Binghamton. Um, brought me back there so i headed i headed back to uh headed back to binghamton previously iceman yes you did um and over yeah. there you had a teammate i gotta ask you about and that's jason nori oh uh, yeah 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 tough 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 guy uh he had he had some good goes that year uh i had heard of him you know he had had a pretty real good tough career in the whl and he came in and I want to say came in under a contract with the Rangers in Charlotte uh, checkers. And I remember following him a little bit and uh, yeah, he was, uh, he got, he could play the game too. And he, he can go for sure. He was a uh, tough, tough kid, man, for sure. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. before moving on to uh, to Asheville, I got to ask you just a couple questions, man. So you're in this this yeah. you know the enforcer role and everything. Did you ever have yeah. problems kind of sleeping before games, like knowing you got to play uh, like Mel Engelstad or Toporowski or something like that? Uh yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, some you know some days it was easier than others. Some days you just it it, it was. You know, you had your you, you were going, you were okay with it. Um, and some days, you know, it, it felt a little different. Um, I, you know, I can remember, you know, being in, you know in the hotel on the road and game. You know, midday, guys were coming back from lunch and guys were taking their naps. And for sure, I, you know, there's a lot of those games uh, over my career. I can remember my, you know, just kind of looking at the ceiling and knowing who, you know, it was Anglestad or you know, Jason Payne, Mike the Journey. Uh, you know, you, you're kind of playing that fight over in your head a little bit. You, you got your adrenaline's already kicking in. You can't you can't sleep. Um, but that you know that that being said, you know you, you still, you know, you know you know what they say about courage. You know, sometimes it's it's uh, you know it's okay to be a little bit nervous or afraid, but you still go and do it, right? So um you know definitely it, it motivated you a little that that stuff motivated you to be sharp and, and be ready to go uh when you when it was time to go but no for sure it's it, uh it definitely uh it, it you know you definitely you look on the schedule and you, you would know okay this is coming up okay i'm gonna see him and you know and you would know like what happened in the last game to like if there were some fights or some words exchanged you know you knew you're you know it was more of a chance to go that was going to happen and definitely leading up or that day as day of the game um it was uh it was it was definitely uh like i said you didn't always didn't always i don't always get sleep in my naps i was getting ready for the game and you know the warm-ups too you know sometimes in the warm-ups you're you know you're focused on you know who you're gonna fight and uh and uh you know it's uh but i i love what i was doing i love i love what i where i was at i love sticking up for my teammates and uh you know i wouldn't i wouldn't have done it any other way you know so um but it definitely could play definitely could play play, plays a role and you know i think that uh you know definitely listen to podcasts it's good to hear you know guys talk about that right like they talk about how they handled it and and uh and some some stories simple stories uh that you know you that i went through so um but yeah no it's uh it was, uh, you know, definitely had uh, some days, except some days you were ready. You were ready to go, and you knew it was coming. Some days it could happen, and you said you had to dig in and be, re- and be ready to go for sure. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I, like I would mentioned earlier, and uh, people who have listened to the podcast for a while know I, pr- I probably ask this to every guest, um, but, you know, me being the Jersey guy, did you ever do any Jersey modifications or anything? Well, like, I don't know, shorten your sleeves, extra tie-downs, anything like that? Yeah, I did my 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 first year in Huntsville. I didn't do anything, you know. Um, we had a had a pretty good sized jersey, but I noticed that when I went to Dayton, uh, right off the hop, the jerseys were just a different cut. They were different material. It was like really tight. And I remember early on in some fights, I was like, it was just too tight. So, I yeah, I had my trainer. He took it. He took it out of out and uh, had the sleeves cut and material added and. Uh, make the sleeves bigger so you know i can you know i got grabbed i can kind of get loose a little bit 
uh, and uh, I loved it. So everywhere I went after, like I would just tell the train, you know, right away I would say to the trainer, I was, you know, pick my number or wherever I would say to the trainer, hey, can you can you get can you do this to my jersey? So yeah, I had my my sleeves bigger for sure. Absolutely, yeah. there you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm always curious to see. It's it's, it's always funny because I collect, uh, you know, game worn jerseys. So it's always kind of yeah. cool to see uh, different customizations that guys use. Um, and some of the stuff that you wouldn't even think of is just insane. Um, so it's always yeah. cool. I always, always got to ask and see if guys anything is if, see if there's anything new I got to hear about. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No. I think that. Yeah. Was what else did you? Uh, what else did you? Uh, what some of the stuff that's on the jerseys that you have that was on. Oh man, so I got a couple here. I got like uh, if you've ever seen the fights uh, by Steve Bosse up in the Quebec League, and yeah. he went on to go fight in the UFC. Yeah. His probably has yeah. the craziest tie down I've ever seen. It goes, it's like an. I'll send you a picture of it afterwards. Um, but basically, the only way I could kind of see it going is it. It starts at the very top of the back, right underneath the name, uh, the nameplate, okay. and then goes all the way to the front, right below the collar. So the only thing I could think right. of is he would loop it between his legs so the jersey does not move anywhere when he's fighting. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. So That's, stuff like I that, that. Uh, you know, yeah. um, I've I've seen, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? Inserts in the sleeves or the sides to make the jersey a little bit bigger. Um, yeah. Andre Waugh used to, yeah, Andre Waugh used to use the the double tie down so he'd have one in the back, one in the front. Okay. Um, yeah. Mike Segroy used the uh, coin lace, like skate lace tie down in the front, and then I've a couple shortened fight straps. So um, it's all different, but it's it, it's crazy yeah. to see. And I know like McSorley and uh, who was it? McSorley and Dave Brown, I think both used like they they used really really tight sleeves, so guys couldn't really okay. grab their arm, they couldn't grab yeah. the jersey, um, so their yeah. arms couldn't get tied up. So stuff like that, it's crazy. It's enforcer jerseys are the best ones to collect because they got the most, not only the most wear, but they got all these crazy customizations to them. So it's yeah. it's, it's pretty cool, and I always got to ask about that, um, just out of curiosity, yeah. of course, which is the the nerd in me, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, for sure. Like that's, I definitely. I definitely had my sleeves. I, I like them loose. I like to be able to grab them. You know, you know. I, I wasn't one of the guy to drop my, you know, get my elbow pad off. But uh, no, I like them to, you know, to have that extra room. So you know, even if they had you, I could still get, you know, get the hand loose or something like that. Uh, I didn't like them tight at all. Um, but but uh, yeah, no, definitely loose. I, I, I preferred that. So yeah, for sure. A lot of guys, even yeah. uh, some of these jerseys, like there, a lot of them are goalie cut. Um, so there was yeah. these, these giant jerseys like Bosse has a goalie cut. Um, I think Frank by Lois used a goalie cut. And then I think Mike Segroy used, if it wasn't a goalie cut, it was like the highest you could go without it being a goalie cut, which I think was like a, it was technically called like a 58 plus or something like that. Yeah. I'd have to double check the tag, sure. but yeah, it's kind of cool just to see all the, the, the tricks of the trade, I guess, you know, these little things that go into the, the hockey fights that you don't see that, um, or just integrated into the sweaters and everything like that. So it's always cool. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you know, kind of wrapping it up here, you actually end up, uh, you, you played with two more teams and you actually end up in Asheville with the smoke. Uh, and that's your final year in the United hockey league. And how was that year for you? Uh, yeah, it was, like I said, I was a veteran at the time. So, um, I had, uh, come in from Binghamton. I was, I get picked up there from Adirondack to Binghamton, 
I was pretty happy. And then I ended up, uh, you know, Binghamton had affiliation in Rochester and guys were getting sent back down from there. So I got traded to, uh, to Asheville, um, went down there, uh, played for, uh, Keith Gretzky and played with Brent Gretzky. So that was a pretty cool experience playing with Wayne Gretzky's brothers and kind of hanging with them and hearing some stories about the great ones. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I went down there a couple fights, uh, got in the playoff. We got knocked out pretty quick and, uh, out of the playoffs. And, uh, at that point in time, my career, uh, you know, I have to, I have to be in, in, in the AHL in the camp. And, uh, you know, uh, I was wondering if it was an opportunity for me to still get there. Um, and I really, at that time thinking about that. And I was also, uh, looking at like certain places that uh, I wanted, I wanted to to maybe go back and play in certain cities, and uh, um, and uh, like I said, at that time I I wanted to make sure it was the right move for me, and uh, I ended up uh, retiring after that year because uh, I, I like I said I started to get I started a passion for coaching, and I started to uh, started to teach and coach a lot, and. Uh, and that, that's kind of the route the route I went uh, at the time. I decided to to retire, and uh, and then a couple <laughs> a couple of years later, I had the uh, opportunity to go play in Miami in the WHA two, uh, <laughs> and a teammate there, uh, Al, former teammate Al Rooney, I mentioned him earlier, was playing down there, and he's like, "Hey, you got to come down here." In the season, I was I had been coaching here locally here it was over, so I went down there to play. And I ended up, uh, I think I had three or four points in four games. I was like, man, I should, I wish I averaged just my whole career. This, this is great. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, no. So I, you know, at that time I, you know, I was, uh, just kind of moved on, moved on, but I went back to play. Uh, uh, I guess I, I like I said, I, I, I still wanted to play. I had an itch to still play, but I was starting to look, you know, after hockey and, uh, at the same time and uh, I had a young family, a young daughter at the time. So uh, I decided to, uh, you know, I wanted to go back and play uh, that. So what I remember at Miami scoring a couple goals, we made the playoffs, uh, uh, played a couple games. We got knocked out. Uh, but uh, I remember at least I got to go back and play a couple pro game, pro games. So I kind of, you know, that was what I remember most about it is, uh, uh, you know, like I at least had a finale. Like I went back and I knew, like, hey, I'm coming back to play 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 these games, and um, I'm going to get at it and go have fun and 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 uh, get at it again. But it, you know, I knew that you know it was going to be definitely over now. So I I, I was I was kind of good with that that experience. Absolutely. Well, there you go. And you ended up with, uh, like you said, you had three points in four games, so you were getting it done. At least you went out with a bang. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Almost a point a game. So. <laughs> for sure <laughs> um well man i appreciate you coming on this has been a great yeah. talk and uh, lots of great yeah. stories there's plenty of minor league toughness um and you know just a couple guys let me go ahead pull up your fight card again a couple guys i gotta ask you about yeah. before you get out of here um and he went on to play in the uh, quebec league as well but you fought louis bedard what was it like fighting him yeah i fought him in uh uh when i got to jacksonville he was in tallahassee we uh uh, it was an exhibition game. I, one of my first games I got down there. Yeah. So, you know, tough, tough guy, you know, lefty, you know, uh, yeah. You know, he, he had a lot, nice long career for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Did yeah. it for years yeah. out in the Quebec league too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And another guy again into the Quebec league. <laughs> it's funny how that kind of happens. Yeah. Um, 
uh, last guy I'll ask you about, but is Pat Allard or Allard, however oh, you prefer to say Allard, it. Yeah. yeah, you fought him three that times. Was, yeah, yeah, I went. That was at Hunts. I was that was my rookie year. Um, oh, there you go. That was, yeah, it was my rookie year in Huntsville. Uh, he came into the league. Uh, he came into the league. I think halfway through the year, he came in, and I had a friend in that team, and he he gave me a heads up. He's like, "We just picked this kid up from Quebec." He's like. You know, really tough and uh just be ready you know and uh he you know probably looking at my Pelly minutes where it was that year he knew who to find and i knew he'd be coming and we fought and uh we fought that game and then we fought the next game and then in huntsville the, i remember that fight well we were we we it was one of those we were up by like a goal and they pulled their goalie and we scored and I get to, you know, go out there, take the last, you know, 30, 40 seconds. And I know he's coming, you know, and, you know, I look over, he's right next to me and we drop, we drop it. You know, we're going to go. You want to go? Yeah, let's go. We dropped the gloves. He hit me with the right. And I went down, I went down, I went out for a second. And I was, I was like, Holy shit. How did I end up down here? I remember this fight well. And <laughs> he, and I remember, all oh, I remember going out, how the hell I get down here? Like, that was quick. And I said, I got to get up for the refs getting. There's no way. I'm home rink here in Huntsville. I'm taking one going down. You know, um, I was having a good season, doing well in my fights. I'm like, I got up as fast as I can. The refs were trying to get in there. And I'm like, they couldn't pull me off of them. And then we started trading pretty good uh, after that. And I actually got him down at the end. And, uh, you know, he uh, he went off doing the, like he was a heavyweight champ of the league and with the belt and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, like it was one of those things, like that's all he, you know, he was, he was a tough kid and he wanted to fight. That's, he had no problems. He wanted to do it every game. And, and, uh, yeah, like it, he came in the league and, and we fought like probably every game, every game that he was, that I played against him that year at the end for sure. So tough kid. He did well up there. He did pretty good up in that league. Oh I yeah. Like, I mean, he played, he yeah. played for years up there after, yeah. cause he played that one season, um, for West Palm, and then okay. every season after yeah. that was the uh, yeah. the Quebec League. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we had some good ones, but I remember that one and uh, that first one. Uh, the last one, sorry, excuse me, the last one at home when I went down and got back up. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, I'm glad I got back up and was able, we were able to go pretty good when we got back up. I'm like, I cannot, you know, I'm not staying down, no way. I think he cut me for a couple over my lip, but, uh, you know, Thick guy, thick kid, strong, good throw, throw hard. No, for sure. Um, yeah. And so, you know, thanks for coming on and uh, yep. what a, what some great stories that you had and uh, journey through minor pro hockey. It's a story that's kind of not not told enough. So I'm glad people people kind of get to hear this and uh, enjoy it because I don't think people understand. Well, maybe I'm, I'm sure my listeners do because they wouldn't be listening to this <laughs> if they weren't into the fighters. Um, but I don't think people quite grasp how just tough the old like late 90s minor league hockey system was didn't matter the league echl uhl western pro chl didn't matter every league had just heavies rolling through it at the time um so i think it's a really great insight and people are going to enjoy it yeah no for sure four four deep on every team and it was part it was it was a big part of the game back then um you know, our, the, the skilled guys and they could play, and the uh, the, the tough guys were there to protect them and, and put a show on and uh, and uh, and be entertaining. And uh, you know, you know, you know, you mentioned it all the time. And you know, 
I have a hard time watching. I'm a Rangers fan. I watch some of their games. I, I, I have a hard time watching the, the games unless it's somebody I coached or know, you know, the, uh, coached against growing up or whatever when they were growing up and have an opportunity. But other than that, uh, you know, it's a fast game, it's a skilled game. I, I just uh, I miss I miss that, that element of the game. Um, and then have an opportunity, to, you know, I kind of knowing what those guys were thinking, even when, you know, when it, when it started fading out, you know, uh, when I was, I would watch the games all the time, you know, just, uh, knowing what those guys were thinking and, you know, when it was time to go and, and, uh, it was, uh, it was definitely, uh, entertaining. And like they said, you know, no one ever left the rink when there's a fight, right. And that's, you know, exactly. Only they don't, they don't walk out when the fight goes on They're on their feet. So, um, it's been taken out of the game, uh, slowly and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, uh, you know, but uh, I'll leave it at that. I, you know, I don't, you know, want to get too much into that, but, uh, <laughs> right. I, I definitely miss, I miss it. And, um, you know, it was, it's, listen, we put our, we, you know, uh, you know, we put ourselves out there. I mean, it's a, like I said, it could be a violent game, a physical game. It's uh, you can't run out of bounds as boards and, and, uh, they let us, they were allowed to fight and, uh, it was, uh, it was, you know, it was great. I, you know, I miss, I missed that in the game and I, I'm glad I was able to experience it and, and, uh, and, and do it for my teammates and, and, uh, and be there for them. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I wish I was still around more anyway, but Hey, a couple of fights in the playoffs. I was, uh, it was pretty cool. You know, uh, you know, it was fight, uh, the Iowa game where Tom Wilson went at it with the, the captain and, and, uh, I'm sitting there thinking, hey man, you know, dress Ross Johnson, you know, just you know, make sure Martin, you got to go, you got to get after him. But you know, it doesn't happen. You know, it's the, you know, everyone's afraid of taking that penalty. You know, the power play right. is so important. It's special. There, there needs to be more of the uh, the old fashioned yeah. fuck it and just go at it. I think, but you know, it yeah. uh, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, you kill those penalties off more. You know, exactly. You, you got more energy after yeah. those anyway. Yeah, stick up for each other. So, but, uh, <laughs> for sure. yeah, it's, uh, it's out of out of out of the game, and and uh, you know, thank again, like I said earlier, thanks for you know um, having having this, having me on, and uh, getting the guys on here, and and uh, definitely uh, you know during the uh, you know COVID and and being locked up here for a while, uh, was able to you know follow follow a lot of the uh, podcasts and. And uh, definitely uh, helped help me through sometimes, you know, when there was not much going on and being a, you know, I was coaching and the rinks were closed. It was, uh, you know, some downtime for me anyway. So um, I appreciate you having me on and getting to tell some old, old stories and drive the memory a little bit, you know. So Absolutely. But, um, real quick before I let you go. Uh, where can people kind of find your your hockey camp? Is there you know a certain number or you know maybe building uh, website that you can go to something like that? Yeah, it's uh, Jack Greg Hockey. It's uh, just Google Jack Jack Greg Hockey, and uh, I'm on uh, I'm in Long Island. Uh, I'm in Long Island. Uh, we you know it's we do lessons and, and skill development clinics. Uh, summer camps camps you know when the kids are off school during the during school year um it's it's i it's you know i've like i said earlier i'm fortunate to be able to still be involved with the game and, and, and coach but uh 
and give back and help help these kids. And uh, yeah, no, I mean that's I'm here in New York. I I don't I've had opportunities to go travel with it, but uh, you know what? I, I'm pretty busy. I I got uh, young kids. I my daughter's 19 now. She's a sophomore in college, so she was big in softball and uh, and you know her different things. So um, I you know I. I I did my camps during the summer, but I wanted to stay, stay close to home in the spring and summer to be here for softball. And, and, uh, I have a 15 year old stepson that, uh, you know, he's, he's really getting hockey right now, John. And, uh, I hope I coach him. And then, like I said, my, my 11 year old Riley. So he's, uh, he's, uh, he's been trying to knock on the door here, trying to come in and say hello, but, uh, he's been pretty good. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I have my, uh, I'm pretty busy with the kids and, and my wife and family. So um, I haven't got out travel too much, but uh, you know, I am here in New York and Long Island and any, 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 anybody that's uh, you know, that uh, I get kids, you know, I get some Connecticut kids. I get some kids from New Jersey. You know, I'll come and stay in a hotel, but you know, I don't really go on the road, like I said, but uh, Hey, if anybody wants to come travel to Long Island and uh, go to hockey school here next summer and uh, look me up and, uh, and, and, and send me something, send me a message, you know, I'm glad to talk to you and have, have the kids out for sure. There you go. I'll t- we'll have uh, have them tell you that Alec from Five for Fighting sent you. You might get him actually kicked out, so maybe not do that. I guess, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> no, all good I gotta, fun. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta have you come up here and get in. Uh, come up here and play some hockey. I gotta get you up there. Oh, up good lord! So what? All all the you know the six year olds can just dance circles around me yeah. and just break my ankles while I'm out there. <laughs> Well, no, I get through. No, I got. We got. Oh, well, yeah. No, we they. Uh, we got. Uh, we got some leagues here that you can play in, and we have some. We do a, a adult skate on Tuesday nights with Scott Dennis. He does a good job with it and Tuesday and Friday nights. But uh, hey, man, if you're ever coming up to New York, throw your throw your bag in there and uh, and, and shoot me a message, and uh, definitely uh, definitely come on out. And uh, I love to have you come out, and uh, it'd be great. So, um, yeah, no. It's, uh, it's, you know, life's good. So, absolutely, man. Well, uh, you know, thanks again for coming on, and uh, had a great time chatting with you tonight, man. Yeah, yeah thanks again, Alec. And um, uh, I held you up a little bit tonight getting out of work, but thanks for waiting. And uh, again, thanks for what you do and and everything else. So, appreciate it. Oh no, you're good. You just all it meant is I got to drink a few more beers before you got on here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Uh, well, have a good night, man, and thanks again for coming on. You got okay, a